In my mind, I always thought having a million dollars would make me quit the game. It never would. What I ended up doing was brokering information to other people who decided they wanted to go do that kind of fraud. Use Bitcoin instead of cash. You can transfer it anywhere. It's untraceable. I jumped on a plane under an assumed identity that I had been holding on to in case of an emergency. And I went to Miami. Now I had the connect that changed my life. Some say for the worse, some say for the better. I mean, I'm going to say it just changed my life forever because... Okay, so I was yeah. born in Oakland, California. Um, born in a time when Oakland was transitioning. It was kind of like coming away from the Black Panther movement to black people just really being independent, owning property. A lot of the white people and upper class people were moving out to the valley. But here it is in Oakland. We had... Uh, we were middle class. My mom worked at a bank. My dad, he got into law enforcement. Mind you, they came from Mississippi together with about $200 between them. And they were able to like build something before they started a family. So what happened was um, I came along. And then a couple of years later, I had two smaller brothers. My dad, he always wanted how, how, more. I'm sorry. How old were, were, were your parents when you were born? My parents was like 24. 23 24 when i was born okay mind you like my dad got a job for the city but basically it was a, a government job so that was a great job to have back in the day because he knew he had some type of security and then my mom worked at a bank until an accident happened at a bank where someone threw some keys across the bank and it hit her in the head so from there she went out on leave for about four months and she was having like blackouts and things of that nature so she ended up having to retire early with the settlement i think it could have been like about 15 or 20k but we're talking about 1982 yeah about 15 20k is a bunch of money and this is when they bought their house they bought a house so i never lived in an apartment before we always lived in the house we always had money i mean not rich but we had money middle class but the thing about that is um she didn't work no more so she became an entrepreneur right then and there she opened a child care center she opened up a um janitorial service my dad still made more money i want to say but we made it all the way through but we went to public school with the rest of the kids that didn't have a lot right the kids at my school were on fixed incomes single parent homes just a mom welfare or food stamps and I didn't even understand why. My, my major question was like, why are these kids disadvantaged and we're not? One of my friends at school told me that they didn't have any food at their house. And that bothered me. I was like, what do you mean you don't have any food at your house? But I kind of overlooked it, thought he was joking because when he came over our house, he got to make food, ate good, even took some food home with him. But after a couple of times, I thought this kid is telling the truth. He doesn't have any food. But uh, a light bulb went off in my head, too, when um, I went to school and I couldn't get free lunch. My lunch was $1.25, but all my friends got free lunch. So I ran home that day and like, Mom, why do I have to pay $1.25 for the same food that they get for free? And she said, well, we both have income. Their parents don't. They live in right. the projects. Their rent is about $40 a month. If they even have both parents. If they even have both parents, yeah. So our we, we have a mortgage here, and it's a difference between rent and mortgage. And I, but I don't like it. I want to eat with them because they're looking at me some kind of way because I pay for lunch. But she's like, look, get over it. You know what I mean? If they want to come over after school, eat with us, they can. But, you know, just get over it. This is the way life goes. It's called societal norms, and this is where we are. However, we probably won't be here forever. So um, I'm hanging with guys. We ride bikes. We ride skateboards. We're all around the community doing what kids do. And um, this guy, actually a white guy, he came into the neighborhood, and he asked us, did we want to make extra money? The white guy, he's like. How old are you? 
I'm about like nine or 10 at this time, about nine or 10. He's like, um, you guys want to make some extra money? I got some um, things that you guys can do. You can come with me and we can sell candy. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to sell candy because the school always made us sell candy. And we got nothing out of it but a teddy bear or maybe a notepad. So I don't want to sell candy. It's not interesting for me. He like, no, you're going to make 40 bucks in a day. Mind you, this is 1985, 84, 40 bucks for a kid. Like, nah, he's lying. So uh, myself and a bunch of my friends, we got in a van with him. He took us to the banks. <laughs> that we already got, sounds bad. We, we, we got in a van with him, and he took us to uh, affluent areas, like 20, 30 minutes away. And we got this candy from price clubs, like Thin Mints and Wafers and all this stuff. It was like a dollar each. And we wouldn't sell it. We would just go ask for donations. And I'm like, wow, this works. But first, let me tell you about our sponsor, Aura. Aura can identify data brokers exposing your info and submit opt-out requests on your behalf. Brokers are legally required to remove your information if you ask them, but they make it super hard to do it. You can try Aura free using my link. Aura also does so much more to protect you and your family from online threats that you can't see. It's really easy to set up. So you don't have to download several different apps to get things like parental controls, password management, identity theft insurance, and more. You get everything at one affordable price. Let Aura do the hard work of keeping you safe online so you can focus on other tasks with peace of mind. You can either let people continue to profit off of your private information or you can go to Aura.com slash Matt for your free two-week trial. Also in the link below. So he give all of us like 20 boxes. We work like six hours. We get back in the van, count up the money. He takes about 70%. We keep 30, but we still had about 40 to 60 bucks a piece. I'm like, wow, that was, that was kind of cool, man. So my friends that don't have food can go to the grocery store, buy food like IGA or whatever those corner markets are. And, um, now they have food to bring home and their mom is happy. But my mother told me to not do it again. Don't do that again. Don't get in that van with him. I don't trust him. How come he didn't come meet me? How come he didn't talk to your parents? He's a crook. He's yeah. a slickster. Yeah. That, whole, much, that whole thing's bad. Yeah, that whole, he's in a van. You mean you got in a van with a stranger? I'll beat you if you do it again. And she, she meant it. So I couldn't go anymore. But my friends kept going. But my younger brother told me something. He like, how about we go to Price Club, we buy our own candy, get on the bus, and we go to the opposite side where he is that day, and we sell our own candy. First time we did it, we made $200 in one day, 200 bucks. My mom didn't like that either. You're lying to people. You're not taking donations for any support group or you're not helping anybody out. You're doing this to keep money for yourself. So I don't want you doing that either. So she stopped us from doing that. But my friends that I went to school with, they kept doing it. And it was cool because now they have an extra money. We go to school after school. They take me to the store. Everybody buys each other stuff. We all have a bunch of snacks and a bunch of treats. So now, my, remember I said my parents, they worked. They had money. We weren't low income. But I had family members all around the city that were going through the same thing that a lot of the city was going through. Single parent homes, living in a not so good area. And the crack came in. The drugs actually came in heavy. Actually, Oakland is one of the first places where they say that drug landed in the first place where it was turned from one thing to another. When it, it, is that is that where the, I want to say Snowfall? Snowfall actually was based on that. But it, and it was, what, oh God, what, what what's his name? Bro? I, Franklin. I no, no, I'm saying the, 
the drug dealer that went to prison and got oh, out. Oh, Freeway Rick. Freeway Rick. Yeah, yeah, Ross. yeah. Rick yes. Ross. Rick Ross. Which became a kingpin, a major kingpin yeah, yeah. at a young age. But he was like so. And we heard of him when we were kids too. But it was like unbelievable that a black man doing these type of things made that kind of money. But obviously, and I've tried to verify this because I met people that say they were around when people first start processing it. And I think actually probably was in Berkeley. These hippies found a way to do it. And it was a special thing. It was meant for rich people. It wasn't meant for low income people. Well, it started off as a free base, right? Free base. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it was very dangerous to process that because it caused explosives, explosions. It yeah. caused explosions. But some of those early adopters of that, if you were in the right place, you made millions at a young age and really fast. But, um, here it is. That stuff came in heavy. You were either a participant or a victim. And even if you didn't directly participate or become victimized, somebody broke in your house. They broke in your car. They stole your VCR. A you're family still a victim. You're still a victim. Yeah. Your family member had to go to rehab. Now they're out of their mind. They can't function proper, properly in society. That thing was terrible in that city. So I'm like, maybe it did start here. So here it is. We're seeing guys not much older than us having a lot of money they're buying custom cars cadillacs and mercedes benzes this is around 1986 so i'm wondering like how the hell are they getting this money because i was never exposed to that but once i started traveling throughout the city on my bike and going around people who were doing it it became very clear like okay this is a lane right here so um i start hanging around at a car wash where these guys with these new cars these flashy cars kind of hung out at and um my friends and i they got over the candy business because they were getting ran off of uh those locations which we used to go to banks and stuff like that so now we hang in a car wash trying to make an extra 15 20 bucks a day helping people wash rims but it was a few guys there that'll give you 40 bucks and i'm like wait you gave me 40 bucks for cleaning the tires what do you do and they had big bank rolls right like big old grips of money how old, are, how old are you? At this point, I'm 10. I'm okay. about 10 or 11. But I had a curfew. Be in before the streetlights come on. Don't go to the liquor store. Don't go to the laundromat. Or don't go near the check cashing place. That was a rule by my parents. They were very strict on. All right. They knew what was going on there. Do not even go to that car wash, which was like four blocks around, four blocks away from our house. Mind you, we lived in the house. Three blocks away is projects and housing authorities, and most of those people are low income. But here we are, median income, not even five blocks away from where they are. So um, I'm like, hey, bro, I asked one of my partner, Slim. I'm like, Slim, wh what's up? Can we get in with these guys? He's like, no, because they want us to go to school. They don't want us doing that because it's dangerous. You, you know what goes on, right? And I'm like, nah, not really. He's like, we're going to go to the liquor store tonight. Just stay out an extra hour. We're going to go to the liquor store tonight. I was like, nah, my mama kill me. My mama kill me. And then if my dad finds out he comes from work, he'll bust my head open, wide open. So well, what's your dad doing at this point? At, at this time, my dad's working a bunch of overtime. He's on the force, but in a whole different city. So nobody knew. My dad works about five cities over as a police officer. But my friends don't even necessarily know. They just know both of your parents work and you guys have money and food. You get things for Christmas. You guys have bikes and you guys get new shoes like every other month or every month or whatever. Because I have two brothers. Right. So here it is. He knows nothing about it. My mom's basically since she runs a business of her own, she's there most of the time. But again, financially, we're not rich, but we're far from broke. So uh, I went to this liquor store and I saw that activity. 
these guys are making hundreds of dollars within 10 or 15 minutes and it blew my mind. I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more. I'm like, oh no, this is it. Now my friends that don't have money, they had to do it or else. But for me, I'm like, well, if I start to, I'll be able to make extra money and take stress off my parents and buy my own clothes, buy my own shoes and everything will be fine. But literally, I know it's just so much more dangerous than whatever I anticipated. Everything to do with that is just danger, pain, hurt. It, it just, it's just everything that you should know, but you may not if you want to make extra money. Yeah, I was going to say, but you're a little kid. You know, you're, not, you're not thinking past, you know, a, an hour or two of your life. You know, you're not thinking even a week in, in advance. No, I can't see that far. But one of my friends, like 11 years old, had made enough money hustling to buy a moped. Now, a moped costs like 400 bucks. I'm like, wow, you bought a moped? He's like, yeah, and I still have money left. So then I made up my mind that I would find out exactly what to do and how to do it. But it wasn't going to be easy. Mind you, at this time, we're hearing stories on the news of a 17-year-old millionaire that's running part of the city selling drugs. He's 17-year-old. 17 years old he's a millionaire already he has about 40 workers he has a bunch of properties that he deals drugs out of and i saw him i'm in person so i knew he existed and i'm like wow this guy's only 17 years old he's still in high school but what he had did was found a plug went directly to the source and and from there he was able to advance in the game real fast he was able to advance and just go go past all other dudes whoever was doing it on his level and even the older guys so um of course i couldn't hang out but one of the older guys asked me one time to go to the mall for him he was like hey go to the mall for me here's 250 bucks go buy me a pair of jeans a pair of nikes and a white t-shirt and you keep the change so i rode my bike to the mall like oh sh i'm getting an opportunity right now roll my bike to the mall I go get the jeans. I knew the size, the white shoes and the white T-shirt. And I bring it back to him. He's like, thank you. The change I kept was 40, about 40 bucks again. I'm like, that was the easiest 40 I ever made. I'm going to hang around these dudes now. So I started just hanging there every day. Now I can hang since I did one little thing for him. Right. He's like, hey, youngster, go iron them pants for me and, um, you know, bring them back to me because I got some girl I'm going to see later on, man. But I'm not trying to leave over here where I'm at. So you go do that. I did it. And one of my friends like, you're stupid. I never would go iron this pants for this guy. Why would you do that? And I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. So I did it. I ironed them. I put those creases in them, had them really, really nice for him. And I came back to the car wash. He was in a brand new Cadillac. He had gold rims on his car. He had white interior in there with a sunroof. This was like a $20,000 car at the time. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And he had a gold nugget watch on. So um, I brought it back to him. Oh, the gold nugget. The gold, the gold nugget watch. Yeah. Yeah. The necklaces me, and the watch. He didn't even know. Remember they had the, yeah. the watches? You could get like a little pendant. Oh, gold. man. Some guys had whole chains. Whole chains. Yeah. So I knew we had money. But uh, he, he started trusting me. He's like, okay, you did that. You did that, youngster. And I just kept hanging there. And eventually I asked him. I was like, hey, can you put me in the game? He's like, nah, man, because your parents work, man. You don't have to be out here, man. You This is not for you. This is not for you, boy. And he wouldn't do it. So I was disappointed, man, that everybody else was getting an opportunity to jump in it except me. And I'm like, why? I'm like, come on, man. I can do it. I'm trustworthy. Finally, one day he had somewhere to go. And he said, hey, hold this for me. I'll be back in a couple hours. And he gave me like a 200 count, 200 worth. I only had to see about six people while he was gone. And I was finished long before he came back. Actually, yeah, I finished long before he came back. 
And when I came back, I gave him the 200 and he's like, oh, you finished all of that? And he gave me 50 bucks, man. And that was my entry into the game. Like now I can do it. I, I started doing it like twice a week, three times a week. These guys just pulling up. They're just pulling their car up, saying, hey, I need something, and you're just giving it to them. And then... well, well, either they pull up or they kind of walk up because, mind you, this area where I had to go from home to go over there where they were doing this at, it was like called uh, – it was near MacArthur. So it's prostitutes. It's, uh, it's a lot of uh, – everything going on there hustling you got people doing running numbers you got people gambling shacks you got a bunch of stuff so now this this drug was expensive it was 20 to 50 dollars per use right it was 20 or 50 it was nothing small at that time so you couldn't be a broke broke person smoking that drug right, you, couldn't, right. you couldn't be broke using that so um they were coming up walking up driving up a lot of times people came that weren't from that neighborhood to come get it so he gave me the money for it and i was like wow and then um we did it again and we did it over and over to the point where i had a couple hundred of my own money i was like oh yeah i love this i love this now can i spend my money he's like nah nah because you'll stop going to school you're gonna you know get caught up and get wrapped up in this and we just don't want that and plus i don't want your mom to find out man once your parents find out man they're gonna kill you they're gonna bust you up you just just go home just go home so i started talking to other people that was doing it that saw i was a young trustworthy kid i'm not i'm 11 12 now i'm about 11 at this point and i've already did my first transactions so from here i'm thinking of ways to make more money but my friends that are doing it they're doing it again a lot of their money has to go towards their household groceries food for their mother even or their father whoever was there their clothes they didn't have nothing so with me all my money was my money my parents could right. not find out that i was doing this so i was like having four or five hundred dollars at a very young age a very young until i start spending once i start spending it of course i go back down to about a hundred bucks and have to work it back up but the bad part about it is my mom started noticing i was hanging out too much and she started coming after me she told my father like oh he's hanging at the liquor store and then i was what they they got on me they was like hey you get caught at that liquor store again man you're in trouble we're gonna do whatever we have to do to keep you away from those those scoundrels or vandals whatever she called them scoundrels or something to that right. effect but okay I, so i couldn't go and i used all my money now my family that lives on a different part of town i'm going over there staying at their house i got ran out of the game by my mom i'm scared of my parents still at this point so i'm not going to go against them are but you going to school i'm still going to school i'm going right. to school i mean we're in elementary school at this time we're in elementary school sixth graders fifth sixth graders right about yeah 11 12 fifth and sixth graders so what happens is um i go over to some of my family members house coming to find out they're ahead of me they've been doing it they're already buying their own cars. They're teenagers buying their own cars. They have money. They're running rampant. So I started telling my mom, I want to go there on weekends because I knew I couldn't do what I wanted to do at home because once my dad finds out, he's a no-nonsense kind of guy. So now I'm going over to my auntie's house and my cousin's house, and I'm sneaking and doing this anyway because now once you – what do they say? It's better to never give a bear honey then give a bear honey and tell him he can't have no more. Right. So now I made some money. I, I don't want to not make any money. I know this stuff is dangerous. I know I'm not supposed to be doing it, but my cousins are doing it now. And now I'm over at my aunt's house. My mom can't tell me I can't go over there. We go outside. We go hang out. Things are happening. So I'm back, you know, getting a little motion, getting a little rotation. And then here it is. 
one of my friends go to jail and I'm like, oh, wow, he he gets caught. He gets stopped by a cop. They take they check his pockets. He has like four or five pieces on him. They take him in. He's in juvenile hall. And I'm like all scared because I was with him, but they didn't check me. I was with them and I had stuff, too, but they just didn't check me. So I was like, wow, man, that was too close. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to jail because a person that never been to jail is scared of jail. Yeah. But a person that been to jail is not as scared of jail because they know what jail is. Like, oh, I've been to jail before. I can handle it. I don't know somebody there. I, I, I can make it. But I was one of those guys that just did not want to go to jail, especially my 12 year old friend with the jail. But he came out three, four days later and told me how much fun he had. And how great it was. And he grabbed another sack. He grabbed another sack. He didn't even think about quitting. He was actually saying he was going to quit school. He's like, I'm quitting school and going full time. I was like, no, 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 Dre, you can't. You can't. He's like, I'm not listening to you. You got both parents at your house. Actually, I don't even know if I want to hang with you no more because you don't even have to do this. You're a turnout. That was the word of you. You're a turnout. You don't have to do this. I have to do this or we don't eat. All right. And I was like, damn, he right. I don't have to do this, but I want to and I want to be accepted by my friends. So I'm going to keep going. So he kind of distanced himself from me. But I said, so what? I kind of knew the concept. I didn't necessarily need him. The older guys embraced me. The only rule was go to school and make curfew. Go When your parents tell you to go inside, you go inside because they're going to come after us or they might call the cops on us. Now everything is transitioning. The drugs got cheaper. Everybody can afford it. They're selling $10 worth, $5 worth on up. So now it allowed more people to get in the game. Once that happens, the crime started. They're still in VCRs. They're still in cars. They're robbed doing burglaries for a hit of this. Everybody's affected. Like I said, you're a victim or you're a participant. In one way or the other, this in, in, in our city where they're saying this drug started at, you were going to be affected by this drug. So now the police, they're looking for people that's doing it. They're posting up, they're sneaking up and all kind of bad stuff is happening. So I'm back home and I'm starting to do it closer to home now because um, I'm tired of traveling across town to my aunt's house on the bus, riding bikes, traveling somewhere else just to make a couple dollars. And it's so much of this going on five blocks from my house. So what I start doing is thinking of ways that I could pass up the competition. So I was like, OK, if I buy more and sell it for cheaper, then I'll flip it faster and I'll be able to make more money. So I tried that a few times and next thing you know, it worked. Now I'm making two and $300 profit every single day at about, by 12 years old, I'm making about $300 a day minimum because I, I, I made us, I, I formed a system. I had a system that we're going to buy this. We're going to cut, process it, get some clientele that'll call me on my pager only come to me and then I'll be able to advance past these guys that's on my same level really quick. So um, my younger brother, he's playing baseball at the time and he's like, yo, I need some cleats. And I'm like, well, how much are they? And he's like, um, they're like $40, $36. And I'm like, well, won't you go ask mom and them for it? He's like, well, she said they'll do it next weekend, but I need them because we got a big game. We're going to travel. And I was like, here, took the money, gave him the money for the cleats. He went and bought them. He was happy. He's like, wait, 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 are you? He's like, you, you, you um, got and I was like, yeah, I got it. What's up? He's like, well, I want in. I'm like, nah, you're playing baseball. You can't get in. He's like, well, I need to make extra money so I don't have to be asking you for money. So therefore, he was like, what's up? So I was like, um, all right, I got you. I give him like 20 worth, told him he can make 40 of it. And he made the 40 and he immediately wanted to buy 40 worth to make 80. Within three days, he had 300 of his own money right. just from starting that. But the problem with that is that. He didn't want to play baseball no more. Right. He said, I'm done with that baseball, man. I'm going to make some money, man. You guys 
held this from me all of this time and I could have been out here with you. So um, what, 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 what I didn't like was he was pretty good at baseball and the coach came over to the wash house we were hanging in front of at the time and got out of the car and begged him to come back to practice and come back to play. I see something in you, man. Don't hang with these guys and your brother over there. And he called me a name, your, your stupid brother over there that gave right. you that shit because one of the other players on the team told the coach that his brother gave him some and now they're right they're, they're they're doing it right so he's like your stupid brother I'm, I'm i'm tempted to go knock on your door and tell your parents i was scared to death i was like oh <laughs> shit if he goes and tell my parents i'm done my father will kill me himself or he just might arrest me and just just book me and take me in that didn't happen he just steadily pleaded with my brother to come and get away from hustling and getting away from um doing that illicit activity but bro didn't listen he was already in too deep and it was kind of like my fault i felt like it was my fault but once he caught on and got the hang of it he blew past me pretty quick because he had a better structured program my younger brother blew past me he's only two years younger than me by the way but he blew past me in the game because all he did was that no hanging no talking go there make my money go in the house hide the money somewhere else so my parents would never find it if they searched his room and he was more disciplined so he was like yeah bro i got like twelve hundred dollars already he wasn't even in the whole game a month i'm looking for a car to buy at junior high school seventh grade he was looking for a car like i'm like wait a minute what am i doing wrong but it was some of these guys who i were hanging with they didn't want anything but to do it for survival all they wanted to do was to hustle to take care of themselves and not to make it into a business. Right. You know what I mean? But again, things drastically change in this industry because it's so dark. It's just, it's dark, man. It's just bullshit, man. Because what I didn't know was the guys who had went to prison some years before were coming out of prison and they had a chip on their shoulder. What are all these youngsters doing out here? Why y'all got these kids out here? Give me everything you got and get up out of here. So we're hearing stories and we're knowing people that are being taken advantage of by the OGs like, I don't want these kids out here, man. No kids. You know you got to be at least 18 to do this. The, um, the least you can be a 16 to do this. Like it was structure. It was some structure involved because these dudes, they didn't want the cops to say, okay, they're running through kids now. We can go shake them up because of that. We, we can shake them up because they have kids doing this thing. So some of the guys my age were getting robbed. They were getting robbed by older guys taking all of their shit and they're all having to start over from scratch and it's just a bad situation. So one of my 16 year old friends, he was like, bro, yo, you want this to be you or do you want a 38 special? And I'm like, well, how much is a 38 special? He's like, I can get you one for a hundred bucks and all you gotta do is when one of them guys come around you demanding your shit, just whip out on him and tell him to back the fuck up they're fresh out of prison. They don't have money yet. That's why they're taking our shit so they can get on their feet and come up and then push us out the way. But we're better than them. So I had my first weapon, my first gun at about 12 years old. My That was all mine. I had to hide it outside of my house. I couldn't bring it in the house. I couldn't let my parents find out any of this. So now I have a pager. I have I'm dealing drugs, um, have my own gun. And I'm just like, I stopped going to church. I stopped doing all of the things that I was doing. Are you going to school still? I'm still going to school at this point because it's junior high. But the bad thing that came up next was would be my first time going to juvenile hall. One of my friends, one of my friends, man, he getting to it with a girl at the bus stop after school. We're in the seventh grade. So he's like, um, 
arguing with a girl they're going back and forth and he does something stupid like push her her boyfriend standing like 20 feet away comes over there and punches him in the face and he like busts the whole side of his face mind you we're 12 11 about 12 and then this guy's about 14 or 15 he fires on my friend punches him in the face in front of everybody they're laughing and everything he runs off didn't get on that bus he found another way home so he comes to my house and he's like, man, that guy did that to me, man, and I don't appreciate it. Let me borrow your gun. So next day at the bu- uh, next day when I catch him again at the bus stop, I'm gonna shoot him. I'm like, nah, you're not gonna shoot him, bro. I don't, I don't want no parts of that, bro. He's like, yeah, yeah, man, come on, bro. He, you see what he did to my face, man? Am I your boy or what? I'm like, yeah, you my boy, man. I don't know him. He's like, well, let me get your gun. Let me shoot him. I was like, all right, it's fine. Here, take it. now mind you this is the inner city where these things are these things should be unheard of these things should be unheard of i give him a 38 he brings it to school about three days later so i I don't think nothing of it this all happened at my house did you think it was just talk it's just well i thought it was just talk but i but my boy i at least want him to whip it out pull out your gun scare him let him know that you're not a punk and you will take care of him if he ever put your hands his hands on you again yeah, just 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 that, let him know that's a huge assumption that he's gonna take off right yeah you know? right but but, but 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 my thing was how bad could it be people get <laughs> shot people get shot in oakland every day mind you right. in oakland where i'm at at the time this is one of the things that desensitized me you know people that got killed and you know the killer the person you know is dead, but the killer is still roaming the streets. The cops don't look oh, hard man. enough for the killers. Okay. So here it is. I'm knowing that these killers are, are amongst us, and they can get any of us at any time, but we can't tell. We can't cooperate. None of the neighbors are willing to cooperate. So I'm like, they forgot about us. We're lost out here. We have, like, San Leandro, Hayward. They don't have killers roaming the streets in Danville, Blackhawk. None of these other areas have killer like we do. So I don't trust the cops. I don't trust nobody. I don't I don't even care what they say. So we get so he takes this weapon to school. I'm going about my way. We don't even hang together that day. It's fourth period. What's are, right are you bef- thinking about it at all? Or, I, or I really didn't because I had a girl that I liked and I just wanted to eat some chili fries with her or some nacho chips with her. I just figure after school everything would transpire because that's where everyone meets after school and that guy that punched him in the face would be there. So I would sit back and watch from the sidelines whether he shoots him, whether he scares him, whether he hits him in the head with the gun. I would just watch from the sidelines. Right. So fourth period right before lunch. No, no, no. Fifth period right after lunch. Two campus security come to my classroom. They was like, hey, uh, True is like pointed to me. He's like, come here. And I was like, what the hell? I'm looking around. They don't want me. I don't talk to you guys or whatever. Mind you, I don't have any drugs on me at this time, though. I'm just uh, like, it's no need for me to bring it to school. And they bring me in the office, and he's sitting there, and the gun is on the desk. And he said, he gave it to me. He said, he gave it to me. I went to his house three days ago. He knew what was happening because... Cuffed me up, called my dad. My dad had to leave work. Come, He couldn't even believe it. When they told my dad that I gave another student a gun to shoot another student, he didn't even believe it. He thought that it was a joke until he got there and saw it. I'm arrested in juvenile hall now fighting a case for giving a minor a gun to cause bodily harm to another person. But you're a minor too. Yeah, I'm a minor too, but but they held me there for about five days. I didn't know what to do. I'm all mad. I'm stressing. I'm confused. I'm like, damn, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Ultimately. Was it as much fun as your buddy said? 
it was real. It was a bunch of fun. It was a whole bunch of fun because all the kids that I hadn't been seeing from the different neighborhoods and the different schools, that's where they were. Like we used to see each other at basketball games and baseball games, football games. Now I hadn't saw them for a while, but they're in juvenile hall for stealing, doing things like that, just petty crimes. And then their parents were unfit. So they wouldn't send you back home if you had an unfit household. You had to stay in juvenile hall until they found a foster home for you. So it was pretty fun, but it was only a few days. But how did I get off of that? I got expelled from school. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, I got out, by, I got expelled from school and um, probation, formal probation, start reporting, truancy officers come to the house every day. But I'm going to continuation school now, and this is a junior high school. My dad didn't like that. So he paid to put me in a private school for the rest of that school year. And yeah, for the rest of that school year, he paid to put me in a private school when he was so mad he had to do that because they, you had to pay. But the other students, other kids in my neighborhood were like, how can you afford that? Your right. father, your oh, you come from a working household. Why are you going to private school? We can't afford food, but you paying three, four hundred bucks a month to go to a school and you don't even want to go there. So now I knew what the inside of jail was. Now I decided I couldn't be playing around with these same guys. They didn't want what I want. We didn't have the same plans. I need to find a way to go past them real quick. So I found my own supplier. Once I found my own supplier and my own supplier, he would be somebody that bought um, enough to supply one neighborhood, meaning he would buy like um, two or three units. He would buy like two or three. And he had enough where he was making a good living, having like one couple hundred thousand dollars. He would be worth about a couple hundred thousand and he would sell to lower level dealers. And I once I got aligned with him, he told me he don't want anybody that plays games. I would have to get serious, and then it was a minimum that I would have to buy, which would be probably spending about a thousand at a time. So once I got with him, it was all the way up from there. It was all the way up. I just took advantage of building a little brand for myself. What about school at this point? You're I still, still had to go to school because at this point now I'm in the ninth. Uh, so junior high, it was over with. Went to the private school. The very next year, we petitioned to get me back into public school, and I went back to a public high school. That wasn't a good idea because now the school I went to was Castlemont High School. All of those guys were hustling already at the ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade. They had cars. They had jewelry. They had all of the fly stuff that I would want. And I'm like, wow, so this is right where I need to be. So I did go for about another year and a half. But by 15, I was done with school. By 15, I was done with school because what I started doing was um, instead of going to class, I was shooting dice. We was gambling behind a building, got suspended for that. We're gambling. We were cutting class. We were messing with girls. We're sneaking girls back to our house while my parents were at work. All I had to do was rush home and erase the answering machine before my parents got there and they would never get the call from the truancy officer. And then one day they came to the house and knocked at the door telling my parents that I hadn't been in school in the last two weeks and they never returned the calls. So I was in trouble for that. You're on punishment. You're grounded. You can't go outside. You're going to have to get out of here. We're we're, we're on the verge of putting you out. I'm like, nah, no, you won't. You won't put me out out however they probably they this is what led up to me now starting to advance in the game and now i'm making real money and i don't want to say real money but as a kid like ten thousand dollars at like 13 14 years old that's a lot of money it's a ton of money but but that's a ton of money and i'm not even ready for that mentally i don't think at the time like having having a direct connect it's so much better than using a middleman. And that's what anything, because now I was able to get my own shit. I was able to flip it and sell it for lower than the other dealers. And I was able to grow my little small little business. I treated it like a business at that young age because I knew better. I knew how 
I wanted to, I, I knew how I wanted to live. I didn't want to have to do it forever, so I thought. But um, things only just went from bad to worse, though. It just wasn't a, a good feeling. It wasn't a good thing because one day, a couple guys were asking me to hook them up. Hey, hook me up, hook me up, man. I'm trying to get on with you because our, your stuff is better than ours. So I started hooking a couple guys up that were in the neighborhood on my that on my same level. And then from there, they started getting a little jealous because they was like, um, nah, man, um, I don't think I should be buying from you. You should be buying from me. I'm like, well, but you don't have enough good product, man. I don't want to buy anything from you, man. Just, just keep it like this or we don't have to do business at all. So they start hating on me a little bit, trying to find out where I hid my shit at, going to go steal it after I leave. Just just little cutthroat stuff that's in this industry. Mind you, uh, nobody's coming to save you. At this right. point, the police officers, they'll take you to jail, but then they also were mad that they had to chase little black kids around that were selling these drugs in their community. And I, I want to say everybody I know has had at least one fight with a police officer. And what I mean by that is if you get caught by a police officer and nobody's looking, they'll fight you literally literally and you can try to defend yourself all you want but more than likely with these sticks and batons they had they probably would get the best of you but i've had several fights with oakland police officers over the years and then police brutality wasn't a big thing at the time because they're like they're nothing but drug dealers anyway so who cares and yeah, there's no phones at the time no either. phones at the time nobody saw it if you reported they just be like no i wasn't even over there at that time it was just not enough in place for the cops to get monitored like it became over the years so at that point what i'm saying is um I, I had to watch my friends i didn't want to have to watch my friends but mind you i had a weapon and everybody else had one too so it was more so we watching each other and we're trying to almost compete with each other for who's going to be better at hustling who's going to be better who's going to make the most money instead of becoming a team so i didn't understand team building really at that age i was just still just trying to get my stuff off the ground because i saw how much money i can really make and um what ended up happening was uh my i come home one night and my dad was sitting in my bedroom waiting for me it was kind of dark I, I turned on the light and he was like what's up what you doing were so you was, supposed did you sneak out or you just came uh, home? No, it was just, like like I'm supposed to be in at nine, nine thirty, but I probably was coming in at about ten and he's home at the time because I saw his car in the driveway and I'm like, Okay, he's here, okay, well, let me just go in my room, everything's gonna be cool. So what he did was he um he said, So look, this is how this is gonna go. You're gonna give me all your money, you're gonna give me your cell phone. Oh no, you're gonna give me your pager, you're gonna give me all your money, you're gonna start making curfew every day. That's it. No more hanging at the liquor store. No more doing this bullshit that you're doing. You're out the game now. And I'm like, how the hell did he know? He said, I've been hearing people from church. You haven't been to school. You, The people from the church and the neighbors see you hanging at the wash house and they see you hanging at the liquor store. It's only one or two things going there. You're using it or you're selling it. And I want all your money. Mind you, at this time, I'm about like 15K. I know I had about 15,000. I had to pay. He said, you're not a doctor. You're not important. Give me the pager. Or are you getting the fuck out tonight? And I'm like, I don't have nowhere to go. He's like, give it up, all of it, everything, or go. So I looked around. My mom comes into the room. She hears the yelling. She hears a commotion. She's begging for him to allow me to stay. He tells her, no, shut up. Get out of here. I run this house. I will not let this kid run my household. It's no way in the world. He's getting out. So I looked around, almost had some tears in my eyes, and I left. I'm not giving up everything that I made to live what I was living as. Like a normal kid. Like a normal kid. I'm yeah. not. 
Big mistake. That night I had to go stay at the prostitute motel, 20 a month, where it's nothing but prostitutes, nothing but drug dealers, nothing but other people that are in the game, nothing but people that are hustling, that grinding actually at the time. And you're what? You're 15. I'm about 14 at this oh. time. I'm about 14 at this time. About 14, because now I'm not going to school no more. School is over with. I'm hustling all day. No one even can tell me what to do. So I go stay at that hotel for that night. And I was like, nah, I don't want to do this. I asked one of my friends. He only lived there with his mom. I was like, hey, will your mom let me stay over here at your house for a while? And he, he asked her. She's like, yeah, but he has to give me 200 bucks a month. And I was like, 200 a month? Okay, that's fine. I'll make that in a couple of days, whatever, maybe even one day. So I went to stay there. Everything went downhill. I'm hustling all night. Stop caring about people. I'm getting into altercations with dealers and the users. I'm getting into right. altercations all the time. I start drinking, uh, you know, beer and whatever the whatever the uh, uh, E and J, the lightweight stuff, or what I what I call it. But it's still bad for a fourteen year old kid. But I'm so stressed out that I um I, I just didn't know what to do, man. I'm stressed out, so I'm hustling every day. I got a gun on me every single day as a kid. But mind you, everybody in that community does. Right. So you're looking at people who are dangerous, and you have to be dangerous as them or getting taken out the game. So what I ended up doing, I'm standing over there with him. We still hustling. I had to hide my money with my little brother, though. I'm like, well, look, I need you to keep this money safe. I can't bring it over here. I can't keep no more than about a thousand bucks on me at a time because I'm sleeping at somebody else's house and I don't have my own space. So he's keeping the money for me and he's like um, hiding it over. Uh, what well, He had a secret hiding place that I probably couldn't even get to. But in case of an emergency, he knew how to get to it. So uh, that was going cool. I bought a car, stopped going to school, but I would show up at school maybe to meet a girl or something, something like that every now and then. But I'm really, really learning the game. Now. How are you 14 years old and you bought a car? Well, back then, you got to think you didn't need license. You didn't need insurance. It's just finding somebody that had a car like 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 um thousand dollar car you look in a classified flea market paper i'll never forget you go get this classified flea market paper and then you get an 18 year old to just go sign the papers i mean i never didn't i didn't even have an id right i didn't right. my brother had his first car at 12 i waited it took me till 14 to get my first car he had one at 12 and he had to sit on phone books and pillows he even got pulled over by campus security in the seventh grade driving a car. And she took the keys and said, well, have your parents come get the keys from me tomorrow. I'll be in my office on the campus. And but what he did was he went and found a mechanic that happened to use drugs, took the mechanic to where they left the car at, popped the ignition out, switched the new ignition in. Cost all but 80 bucks. And he was back driving the same day, but he didn't drive the car close to the school where the campus security could get him again so he knew better he, he was intuitive enough to know that he didn't want to get his car taken twice right yeah so what i did was um i was doing that but it, it just wasn't working out man i was sleeping some nights outside i was sleeping in cars i was like miserable not showering every day because at this house where i was living at paying 200 bucks a month still had to catch the door unlocked i didn't get a key if I catch the door lock, I can come in. But if not, I might have to sleep outside, which would be in the neighborhood where they're dealing drugs. And so it was, it was nights when I woke up and all of my bundle was gone. All of my shit was gone. One night I woke up. I had I know I fell asleep with at least 200 bucks and about another 200 worth of product. Woke up. Everything was gone because somebody caught me slipping. But it was a, it was a lesson that you don't fall asleep 
out here on the block because we could have just killed you like these are murderers mind you murderers are roaming around this community regularly like it's no mystery it's no surprise so i mean me being out there is just dangerous enough and then um after about eight months i ran into my dad one day he was going to work and he's like come here and he's like, uh, how you like it out here in these streets? Because you chose the streets over having a house. You know, your brothers are doing good. Your mom is doing good. And you don't even really come by. But uh, I think you must have came there and showered a few times. But you knew to hurry up and come and leave. He said, but um, I'm going to offer you to come back. But you can't be doing the shit you was doing. You have to come back under my terms, my rules, my regulations. And uh. I considered it because it's like, damn, I'm living in the streets, man. I do have money. I'm doing pretty cool for a kid my age. I want to go home, man. So he offered me that. I went and got my clothes from over here at this house I was living at and went back home. But at this point, my bedroom is the whole bottom of the house, was like, which is like a studio. So I get like a studio since I'm the oldest where I have my own entryway. The rest of the family's upstairs. Only time they had to walk through my studio is to go to the washroom. I mean, we, we were doing pretty good for a middle class family living in the urban community, ghetto, whatever you want to call it. We was doing cool. Right. How old were you then? Now I'm about 15. Right. So at 15, he lets me come back home. So I didn't hustle as hard because I didn't want to get caught. I mean, I dibbled and dabbled at this point. But. I told one of my friends that I made it up to nine ounces. Most of these guys were getting about one or half of one. And I told one of my friends kind of like, he was like, you got money? I was like, yeah, I got money close to 20K. And I'm buying about nine ounces now. And they cost like $4,000. Nine ounces cost you 4K at that time, about 3800 3, So he's like, what? I was like, yeah, man, I made it, man. So I don't have to go out every day because I can get a couple workers to work my stuff. And I can go home at curfew and I don't have to be in the way. Well, he didn't like that. Yeah. He didn't like it at all. He went and told three other people. My, my father, he had let me come back, stay at the house conditionally, on, right. under the conditions. No drugs in the house. Be at the house at a certain time. Don't disrespect your mom. I'll be watching you. So one night I'm coming home. And um, as I'm coming back up, uh, mind you, I have to go about four blocks away from where we hustle at to go home. And this is all houses. No apartments on our block. Everybody's pretty much a homeowner nobody's renting over here everything's everything's pretty cool and it was a guy kind of standing across the street acting as if he was looking for an address he asked me do i know where a certain address is like 2718 i was like nah bro i don't really know where that address is but i'm trying to hurry up and get inside of my house in my gate because once i get in my gate i can lock the gate and go into my house by the time i get in the gate it's a dude in the bushes he runs out the bushes slaps me in the head and walks me into the house now I'm in the middle of a home invasion at 15 years old. My mom's in the house and my little brothers are in the house. They come in there immediately. Where's the nine ounces and the $10,000 that we want it all? So I knew the person I repeated it to had to say something, even though he didn't have the numbers exactly right. But the fact that he asked for nine ounces, it, it just told me that this dude went and repeated what I told him to these to these suckers they yeah, were yeah. suckers to me so we're going through it they're running through the house ravaging it my mom heard the commotion ran and locked herself in a room called my dad and called the police but this is like the worst three minutes of my life though they hit me in the head i still have a split under my head on, on top of my head right now from getting hit in the head with a gun at 15 years old so i'm like wow just Please don't let them go after my mom. I mean, I'm giving them what I have close, which is nothing but about five or six hundred bucks. They like, no, we want the big shit. We want the big shit, which is not even really big, but they wanted that. They're trying to take me outside to a stash spot 
in the back of a neighbor's house to find the drugs. I opened the door. The police were standing there. Freeze. It's the police. They grabbed me. The two assailants run, jump through a picture window, run. Now it's a manhunt. Helicopters come. Everything is so many police in the neighborhood. My father comes home from work. He's coming in, breaking through the police line, panicking, worried about my mom first. Right. What the hell happened? He found out the story. It was over. That was the last straw. I yeah. never lived, lived with my parents again. You put us in danger. You put us in jeopardy. They put the house up for sale. This is 1993. The house was for sale within a week. We're leaving this. We're, we're done. These dudes invaded our home. They came in here with guns. They found the weapons, found the guys. Everything. Oh, they did found, they yeah, found. Well, at this point, whatever she said on that phone, they're in my house. Two assailants with guns, ski mask on. My kids are downstairs. They We were opening the door for them to take me to go get the big sack of... Yeah, yeah, I understand. I'm just saying that they did They did chase them down. They caught them? They caught them. They okay. caught those okay. guys, man. And then they asked me to identify them. Of course, I didn't see the faces they had on ski masks and all of that. But uh, my dad was done, man. He's like, you know, you put my family in danger. This yeah. will be the last time you do that. You can I'm, understand I'm, that. I'm done with you, man. You're not welcome. You're not welcome. We're moving and you're not welcome. What did you, what did you think of that? Would you at the time? At, at that time, remember, I'm desensitized to a lot of shit. But my those words of a father like could kill me yeah. for endangering his wife and his kids. I, I was scared. I was scared. I was terrified of my father because I know he will do it. He's from Mississippi. No, he can, what I'm I'm saying is, you understand why he said that oh i understood oh, okay i okay. didn't even okay. argue with him i i, okay. I understood he i didn't just, know if you were like he's just not like my fault I, you know you're a little kid you know you don't fucking know nah you know i didn't know if you realized like yeah i fucked up i, fuck, I yeah. fucked up royally my mom looked at me differently it was in the newspaper uh, a short segment on the news so not only am i embarrassed my whole family's embarrassing oh they raised another drug dealer look those mm. good upstanding people i told you i knew it and because whenever whenever something bad happens Everyone says, I knew it or I told you so. Mm -hmm. So that means people look for the most negative outcome because what did you know and how and who did you tell? Who did you tell that I will fail? Who did you tell that I was a fuck up? Because that means you never were rooting that, for me. Or, or that, that I think that people in general, when other people are doing well, almost root for them to fail. Does that make sense? If you're you're doing well, you're doing everything right. You deserve to do well. But when you and I'm not doing well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, probably because of my what I just because I'm not doing the right thing, you know, and then you fail, mm -hmm. then a lot of people are glad about that. Yeah, it's oh, almost oh, gratifying. Yeah, I knew it. See, I told you they weren't all that. See, mm -hmm. they, 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 they're such a drug dealer, too. See, they raised a fucking drug dealer. Exactly. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. So my mom, I mean, people looked at her a little differently, but then they said, wait a minute, those kids have their own brain. Those kids did whatever they wanted to do on their own. She tried to raise them right, but see, here it is. How are you gonna write? How, how, your mom's? How's she gonna fucking you know keep all? You, uh, 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 your dad's at work all the time. Your your. How can your mom raise three teenagers? Like you guys are, you know, it's almost impossible to keep control. It, it's impossible. Three of them. Three. So boys. Impossible to keep control in the ghetto. In the ghetto. Right. In the ghetto. Three blocks away, you might get shot. Knowing that these people around you all have guns, everybody has guns. So I have my own 38 special. Like I said, I, I didn't mind using it, even though I didn't have to, but I didn't mind using it. So he was done with me. They were moving. 
the worst thing happened after this. So they're packing up the house. They're getting ready to move. I'm back in the streets living in $20 a night motels, sleeping at any friend's house that I could sleep at. But I'm full-fledged in the streets. So at this point, I found a house. They call them trap houses now, but we call them rock houses. It was a house where everything was going. Prostitution, gambling, drug dealing, three-card molly. Uh, people were manufacturing weapons, whatever you could think of was going on. So it wasn't a rock house because people sold rocks there. It was rocking and rolling. Anything you think of can go on in this house. You want to get a girl, you found a girl on the streets, you want to bring her here, go in the back room, it's 10 bucks. You want to uh, cook up, go okay, kitchen, it's 10 bucks an hour. 20, right. And you need leave something for the house. So it was one of those things where I'm living in that house now, coming from a two-parent household, clean, nice food now everything just goes downhill so here it is one day a neighbor saw me hiding my stat one of our neighbors sold their house and it was on the was moved out of their house and they were selling it and it was on the market so i decided to use it as a place to stash my drugs at so one of my neighbors saw me running back and forth behind that house all day and he went and told my dad he's like hey i know you threw your son out because he's dealing drugs right but I keep seeing him run back and forth behind the house over there that Etna sold. And um, I think he's stashing drugs back there. I already called the cops and told them about it. So uh, just to let you know, I called the cops and uh, he's probably going to get caught, right? My dad didn't even tell me that this had happened. I went back there to pick up my drugs and the cops were back there waiting on me. Mm. I was 15 years old, got arrested. This time it was enough drugs to hold me. They held me down. They told me we're sending you to youth authority because you know what you're doing. You, this is not a possession. Maybe you was trying to make an extra couple dollars. Nah, you, you knew what you were doing. This is enough for us to charge you. You're going to youth authority. Call one of my friends who happened to he passed away now. But I was like, bro, they're saying youth authority, man, three to five years, man. I can't do that. I need a lawyer. Uh, no problem. I got one for you. Do you got the money? He's going to want the money. I said, yes, I got the money. How much? He said, starting off 2500 and whatever else he tells you from there, you're a juvenile. Talk to him. He's going to come see you. I paid for my own lawyer, fought the case for about a year, and ended up getting a boy's home for one year. So I was gone less than two years on a case that should have sent me to youth authority. Right. So, okay. So when they arrested you, did you bond out or did you do all no, this while you're in as a juvenile? Was no bond out, and my parents was not messing with me. So who gives them? Who gives the lawyer the money? Me. I was hustling. Yeah, but I'm a kid I you hustling. Said you were in jail. Oh no, my brother. I, you make oh, okay. a call. You make okay. a call, and you get free calls as a juvenile yeah, because yeah. you're a kid and everything. But my parents made it clear we, we're not coming to get him. No, we we left him out. As a matter of fact, he chose to leave. Right. He he's a delinquent. And then oh, you're a delinquent. Right. You're a delinquent. You let you left home and you you're un, under your own rules. They lock me up. They right. have no mercy for me. Matter of fact, that lawyer, he came to see me. He's like, "Where's the cash?" I told him who to call. My brother took him to cash. He said, now we're talking. I'm talking to the DA. This is when I knew if you have a few dollars, you get a little bit more privileged than those that don't. He said, well, you're not going to youth authority, but you're going to do some time. Right. You're going to a boy's home. They're thinking about giving you two years. You can probably do about eight months and get out. But the thing is, your parents are not supporting you. They want nothing to do with you. They won't come pick you up. And the judge knows this already. So you have any family members, aunts, uncles, anybody that will speak on your behalf so we can solidify this deal. Right. So I talked to one of my aunts. and I begged her and I told her, please just trust me. I swear to you, I will not do this again when I get out. Just give me a chance. I learned my lesson and I know better. Said all she right said, things. all right. And she talked to the judge and they signed the deal. No youth authority. Youth authority is just a miniature prison. Mm -hmm. You, it, It's very few people who come out of there normal. 
they set you up for psych meds in there. They kind of already give up on you when you go there. I'm sure you may have heard of it. So I did the little eight months in the boys home and came right back. I was so happy to be out. Everything was the same. A lot of things happening. People that weren't in the game when I left are in the game now. So how old are you now? 17? I'm about uh, it's going on, going on 17, going on 17 when I get out of that. Came out. Hmm. This really wasn't working for me. I told him I wouldn't do it no more. I'm not going to do it no more. But the marijuana industry was wide open. So I went straight into that. Found out how to do that. Excelled in that pretty fast, too. Came up from like started with a small amount of money, built that up to a miniature empire, had about two, three workers working with me, never for me. They work with me on side of me. So we were able to get three, four, even five pounds. But this time, instead of selling it retail, we just sold wholesale to the public. We're able to make three, five, seven hundred profit a day every single day. And I was happy. So, again, back in the game. Just not doing the hard shit. I'm thinking, well, it's only weed. They can't really bother me for weed. What are they going to do? Lasted. It worked. Everybody was happy. We were making money. I started buying cars. Oh, I had to go back to school for the last year of school, though. That was a stipulation when I came out of the boys' home. Since I was going to school there, I had all of my credits. You just go back to school. You'll finish school. Everything's going to be cool. Going to school every day, I bought me a car. Had enough money to buy a Grand National, which was a big deal at the time. I bought a 1987 Buick Grand National. All the older guys wanted. I wanted to say I paid about like 15000 for it. They couldn't believe it. But everybody wasn't happy for me again. I was going to say, those were the ones they were kind of kind of boxy but they had like a ton of horsepower right like didn't they have like 300 horsepower 300 yeah something like a that. a lot of horsepower buick grand national yeah, they were beating like the uh the mustang uh yep, 5.0 they yep. were beating fi mustang 5.0s and, yep. and it didn't look like a it didn't even car. look like it looked like a little boxy monte carlo yeah. some little two-door coupe but i bought one of those i bought me an old school chevy but at this time i'm having like 50 60 000. at that age 16 going on 17 i was close to 100k and everybody wasn't happy for me again because they start competing with me, um, calling the cops on me. But this time, like I said, it got really vicious because the police didn't like it either. You guys are making all of this money. We have to make 60000 a year or less to chase you criminals around. So they start playing dirty. Like I said, everyone I know has had a fight with an Oakland police officer that was around my age group. So what they would do is, again, they would watch from a distance, watch you hide your bundle. Watch your workers, and if they catch you on those backyards or they catch you in one of those alleys, it's on. So one day, I run in the backyard. I'm going to go get some stuff to hand off to one of the one of the guys I work with, and it's a cop standing right there, and I ran right into his arms. So he grabs me, but I'm like, who the? F and I'm I'm not really seeing this fully. It's an officer. Yet we wrestling. We fall on the ground, and I hear his keys and his badge fall. I'm like, oh shit! It's a cop. We're literally fighting in the back of this house. It's a grown man. I'm a kid. I'm probably 120 pounds. This dude's 180 to 200 pounds strong, working out everything. We're fighting. We're wrestling. He's trying to beat me. I'm trying to get him. I kind of like elbowed him on the side of his head. That's when he let me go. I tried to run away, grab my leg. I know what you're doing. I already got your shit. I already got your shit. I'm like, I start yelling, help, help. He got me. It's Mackinson. He got me. He got me. So people in the front are like, what do you mean? It's who? It's a certain cop that came around that beat named Mexican that was known to beat guys up. Mexican. Okay. <laughs> he was known for beating ass. He was known. For, he don't care. He's not going to report it. Right. He will not report he fought you. So he's like, help, help, help. This dude 
hears me in the front. He's like, oh, shit, where's his car? Where's his car? So they drive around the block. They find his car and they break his window out of his car with a big brick. So one of the neighbors come like, hey, somebody just broke a police car window. He says, you motherfucker. He curses me, you motherfucker. He takes the weed, takes all the money out of my pocket, kicked me right in my ass as hard as he could. And he left. Never turned anything in. Right. I see him three days later. He said, fuck you. I hope I catch you in the backyard again. Now I knew it was a vendetta between me and him because I elbowed him on the side of his head. It kind of put a scar on him. But this was normal. All of the guys, either it was him and three more rogue cops, they they don't mind fighting you. They don't mind going around or two with you because this is what it is. They didn't get paid enough or they just pull up on you. Do you want to go to jail today? How much money do you got in your pocket? $600, drop it in my car and walk away. Real talk. I'm like, no. Drop the money in my car. Are you going to jail today, motherfucker? You'll be there at least three days. Do you want to go to jail or not? All right, man. All right, man. But I got tired of that shit, man. We all did, man. So we got to a point where anytime they came, just run. Get away from them. Don't let them contact you. Don't have any contact with these fuck-ass cops because they'll take your shit. They'll take you down, and then they don't mind fighting. Again, and this is a true story. The plain clothes one with just the jeans and the T-shirts on, they like they came to fight. It's almost like a schoolyard thing. It seemed like they just came for that. Um, Did you ever see, not that we were talking about uh, shorts and B-roll. Did you ever see the movie um, with uh, Morgan? Is it Morgan uh, Fishburne? Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence. I knew I didn't mm-hmm. sound right. Mm-hmm. Lawrence. Did you ever see it was called uh, um, Undercover? Deep it? Cover. Deep Cover. One of my favorite movies. Oh, I love that movie. Man. I used to have that movie when it was uh, uh, v- VHS. 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 Yeah. 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 One Before of my favorite movies. Yeah. But God, in that movie, great. he also said. Where you from? They asked him where he was Oakland. from. He, goes, he nah, said Oakland. No, you ain't from Oakland. I know Oakland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you were talking and he punched, remember he punches him and he mm-hmm. says, oh, do you want to file a police report? And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, that's all right. Um, when you were talking about that, I I pictured that scene mm-hmm. where he runs up and he calls him Judas and he punches him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, they were uh, in the thing yelling and you were talking about the, the bad cop. Yeah. Even though he was a good cop. That was a good cop. He was a good cop. Yeah. 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 But the fact of the matter is they were doing that and it wasn't getting reported. Well, like, it's like the Rodney King thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody always says when Rodney King was happening, everybody was saying, well, that was an isolated event. And now you look back and you go, it was isolated. It was. The fact, it was an isolated event that they had a camera there. They had a camera there. <laughs> because you, you're smart, though. That happened so many times in Oakland. I'm talking about so many times, but it wasn't on camera. Right. My brother, quick little story. My brother, we were driving around in my Grand National. We smoking weed. We're driving around. We're kicking it. We're hanging these two cops get behind us i'm like oh shit man these cops are behind us man damn man i don't really want to stop i got my gun on me man i got some shit on me man just keep going so they get behind us we high speed we leave them by blocks and block but he was able to see the face of myself and my brother so he knew to come back to the neighborhood later that night so we get away we leave them by a distance and we're outside now hanging we're drinking some hennessy we was just talking shit so they pull up they say you think that was so smart earlier huh wait till i catch you it was like a little micro threat. These cops waited down the street for hours. My brother pulled off about 10 o'clock at night in a whole different car going to see his girlfriend. And they pulled him over four blocks later. He's like, get out the car, Brown. Get out the car. So he gets out the car. Full-fledged fight. Full-fledged with two against one. They beat him. They wrestled him. They drug him on the ground. How much money you got on you? Took the money, six, seven hundred bucks, and drove off. And like, all right, we'll see you later. We know, you. We know we'll right. see you again. 
never reported no one said anything and this is in the 90s where it seemed like nobody cared so why do we care about cops they don't even care about us they're taking our money they're fighting with us kicking our asses and every now and then we might get one of them nobody cares about nothing nobody cares about even like i've been to jail already i'm like well jail ain't the worst place to go if i had to go but i never actually did any time everything was in and out so from here Things went kind of good and they just start growing fast because the weed business was growing. I was able to start selling weight. I made it into a business where buy more, get it cheaper, sell it for higher. I'm able to supply a, a, a enough guys to keep me kind of out the way off the front line and I made a good living. So now I'm kind of rolling in money and everything is going smooth. Like I said, everything's going smooth, but not without incident. Again, you get a few losses here. A few losses there, but nothing to never take you out the game. So how long does that go? That goes until that goes for a couple years. That goes for a couple years while I uh, I, I ran into a little case where I got caught with a pirated cell phone. Like uh, you remember those phones they used to put these uh chips in where you don't have to get the bill. One of these cops right. caught me. One of these cops caught me with that. Mind you, I go into jail for that, but I get right out. It's, it's no big deal. It's nothing major. You just bail. At this point, 17, you can just bail out of jail. Well, okay, right. cool. I just bailed out, got right out. But uh, I was able to just really, really get rolling. But things started to change again. I ended up uh, meeting a girl that I liked a lot, so I didn't hustle as hard. I was just working my process because I had enough money where I'm, I'm beyond the survival level. I'm hustling to make things uh kind of like i'm like well once i get 100k i'm out the game and i'm like wait a minute i got 100k already so what's next okay i'll get 200k i'll get out the game but once i get about two hundred thousand dollars, okay I, I i can go do anything i want then go work or go get something else going buy me a house what houses were like 70k then in oakland you get a good house for 60 or 70k at that time so i was thinking on those terms i met a girl she wasn't the one for me and she showed me that because all she wanted was money right I mean, she knew I had money. She knew that things were going good for me. So all she did was kept her hand out and she kept asking for money. So I had to get away from her, man. Get away from her, meeting other women now, but not getting too serious with them. And then I finally met one that I ended up having a baby with. But that scared the hell out of me, uh, uh, you know, going into fatherhood. Now, I'm like I said, 18, 19 years old. My daughter's 26 now. And um. I'm thinking like, what am I going to do? I need to make more money because I'm about to have a baby. So my cousin, um, older guy, he's the one that helped put me in the game, gave me a bunch of resources where I didn't have to trip. He said, look, you're doing it all wrong, man. You're trying to sell wholesale. What we need to do is sell retail to the public with the shit that we used to use that we used to before and they're like nah i don't really want to go back to that man this weed is easier and it's less time if something goes wrong he said you mean to tell me you're in this game trying to get rich and you're thinking about what's going to go wrong you'll never be successful are you in or not so i'm like i'm in so what we did is in our neighborhood we ended up setting up an operation we brought everybody from the neighborhood together Mind you, this is not my operation. He brought me into this operation. So when people think I'm going to start selling drugs, I'm going to become a kingpin, you're probably not. Only 1% of people get up to high level in drug dealing. Same thing with fraud and scamming. Most people are not successful in scamming because they're doing it for survival. Or as soon as they make some money, they go buy something, start over from square one, and they have to start doing it all over again. So it's only a few people that will make it to high levels 
even becoming a millionaire from hustling or selling drugs so rare that you the people who are saying they did it probably didn't do it most rappers never did it most people just won't do it which is not even something to even brag about anyway because right. it's so hard to do so we put this plan together that we would have um watch outs on each corner one person collect the money one person hands over the drugs we were going to set up a complete organized operation unlike the city has ever seen and we're going to do it just like this but it's going to be 15 people 12 to 15 people on the on the uh team they're all going to get paid they're all going to be happy so we, we we'll, we'll survive and we won't take no losses first i was like nah it won't work he's like but we're going to do it in a neighborhood that it's an underperforming neighborhood and they need the help. So we're going to move across town a little bit and we're going to try this, see how it goes. And it worked. Start off making about 1000 a day, 3000 5000 10000 a day. I'm like, wow, you were on to something. He like, yeah, I told you. Just all you have to do is listen to me and you follow the blueprint. But now you have the blueprint and you can implement this on your own. I wouldn't give this exact blueprint to nobody, but I'm giving it to you because you was here with me from day one. And it's like, wow, what did we call it? He said, we just call it the machine. We just call it the machine. So if anybody says the machine, we know what they're talking about. We know what they want. It's going to work. It's going to work, man. This thing went so it started generating so much money, man. It was unbelievable. Everybody was making three to five hundred a day on the lower end. So they were pretty happy making what 10K a month in the 90s. Well, it was right. Well, what is it? What would you bring it into a, a house? Was it what, what What do you so you get an apartment building, you get full access to the apartment building, you put a gate around there, you pay for the gate around the apartment building and then you put your crew behind the gate. So the person that's dealing stays behind the gate. Nobody can ever access him. He's only going to be able to serve through the gate. It's so another it's New Jack City. New Jack, uh, kind of, sort of, but outdoor, outdoor. Oh, New Jack City was outdoor. You just had to get into the Carter Complex. You had to get into the complex. Yeah, well, no, they were selling everything in the complex. In Once the you complex. Were in the complex. Yeah, you yeah, could yeah. get it. It was it was similar to New Jack City, except like out open air, I guess you could say. And then you have a lookout in the front. You got a person collecting the money. Somebody handing out, handing out the drugs, and you have a lookout to a walkie-talkies on each corner. And this ends up being a big thing, also because when the police finally came for it, they couldn't bust it for years. But when they finally came. They had all the insight about the whole operation. So what we ended up doing was uh, making sure you had those guys on three different posts to make sure if they even see a cop, you you call into the person that's actually dealing so he can disappear. When they come, everybody's gone. So this worked for years. This worked for two, three, four years to the point where the guy who uh, put it together, when he felt a little heat at all, he had a meeting. He's like, listen, I'm out. What? Wait, everybody, what? what you I'm out. You guys do it. You can handle it. All I, would, all I would ask you guys to do is to be generous if you find it in your hearts to be generous. So what he was just basically saying, kick something back for right. me, you know, on, on the back end. But it was so much money involved. That was easy. That was no problem to do. So we outside every day in me. No lie, I didn't even have to go there, but I found a thrill in going there every day just watching this operation that I was a part of. And I'm like, wow, look at this money that we're making, man. Who would ever thought some kids coming from where we come from could set this up and everybody can be making this kind of money. And again, the officers didn't like it. They could never find nothing. So what they did a few times is how they got inside of our operation. They would come so heavy. 12 or 14 deep even with the lookouts being on their post and they'll run everybody off 
and then they would set up the operation exactly how we had it set up one guy behind the gate one in the front one on the corner so all the customers that came to buy shit they would arrest the customers to get the whole operation operational blueprint once that happened they were able to come make arrest right but that's not that's around the time the fed start watching because they did not like a person having that kind of operation in a neighborhood where it was almost unpenetratable but mm -hmm. In a way, they 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 just didn't like it. They didn't like it because um, a few things happen like people get shot, a neighbor getting affected by, like uh, I can't even come into my house. I feel like a prisoner in my own home because these guys are set up all around the whole perimeter and they have lookouts and you can't see their face. They have these masks on and they're talking to somebody. Looks like on phones or walkie talkies, and I just don't like this anymore. So they had a couple city hall meetings. And they cracked down on us hard. They really, really did crack down on us hard. But at this time, when I'm climbing up the rank as a, I guess, I don't want to say a boss, but as a person that's significant in the game, my name starts ringing. So I can't come around as much now because uh, one of the guys, he was like a lower level worker. He said, uh, um, I got stopped by the cops the other day and they asked me who you were. Who's the guy that drove off in a white car? And I mean, he said, I'm just letting you know, man, that they did ask me about you. So I don't know what their surveillance is, but just kind of be aware. Come to find out they had been watching me and labeled me as a supplier. So all my, my whole job now was to not get caught with anything. Just don't get caught. All you have to do is don't get caught like because I mean, they can think whatever they want. But if they can't catch me with anything or in the same place with the drugs, I can right. do this for five more years. And then I can come to you guys and tell you guys that I'm out the game, whatever amount of money that I have. But it's just not that easy. It never works that easy. I mean, once you hustling, once you dealing drugs, it's almost like in too deep. That's another movie that they made about being deep in the dope game. And it was kind of like what I took for it is like when you get in the game. It's so hard to turn away. It's like, what's going to happen if you turn away, man? People might get mad at you for leaving the game. Right. People might get mad at you because they depended on you, and now you're out of it. They can, who, who knows what can happen? So um, from there, I backed off but didn't quit, and that's when um, the best connect that I ever had came to me through a good family friend. He, uh he 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 uh met up with me one day we was at the park nobody was around no cell phones no pagers and he was like yo uh yo bro what's up i was like nothing he said bro you've been getting some getting a lot of money lately i know you have and i'm like nah not really it's all right i downplayed it at this time i'm like close to about five or six hundred thousand four to five hundred thousand dollars at a young age i'm not i'm like like 19 years old about in between 18 and 19, I'm all the way up to about 450, 500K, not even knowing that that's what it was. But the, the thing about that was he was like, you know, every time you call me, I make about three to five thousand off your order. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, I mean, I make like three, five G's every time you call me, man. But this is the thing. I'm thinking about moving, man. And um, you're going to need the guy who I go to. But the only way to get to him is um through me. And I was like, OK, well, introduce me to him. He's like, nah, don't work like that. He's like, I want that Rolex off your wrist. And I want $15,000. And I was like, what? This is the first Rolex I bought. I'll just buy you one. Don't worry about it. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I want that one off your wrist. And if not, 
then you're gonna have to find somebody else. And I was like, wait, how it sound like you giving me an ultimatum? You know, I don't fuck with that. I don't I don't deal with no ultimatums, bro. I'm all, I don't even need you, right? I don't know why I told him that because I did need him. Right. He had the best plug that I ever had in my life. So I started scratching my. He said, "Well, think about it. I'll see you tomorrow. Matter of fact, next time you want to um do this, just just let me know. But that's what I want." So I called him back. I was like, "Bro, just let me buy you a watch and give you 10k." He was like, "Nope. I already told you the terms. Let's do it." And I'm like, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" So I knew I couldn't switch the watch off. He knew the watch. I had it. I paid a lot of money for it. I probably paid seventeen thousand for the watch back then in '97, '97. 798 i paid 17,000 for it. and then he wants extra money but he just told me he makes three to five thousand every time i call him so i it, it didn't take me long to think about it the next time i call him i took it off my wrist and i gave it to him and i handed him the money he made a call we went together to the connect now i had the connect that changed my life some say for the worse some say for the better i mean i'm gonna say it just changed my life forever it changed my life forever because I was able to go straight to the source. It was stipulations with that too. Who are you? Where are you from? Take me where your family live. What about your aunts, your uncles? I, I need to know everybody. I want to know everybody. And this is how we're going to do it. No other way. You don't make the rules. It was kind of strict and firm, but the guy ended up being the coolest dude in the world. He just didn't want me to give him up or run off on him with his shit or have somebody backdoor him and rob him or some shit like that. So basically, this is cartel. This is this guy's cartel. He's right? cartel yeah. for sure because the amounts he was able to get and some of the stuff I saw with him, he was a level of like... um. Yeah, he was cartel level for sure. Like scary type of shit. Bring me into the uh to the house. We walked to a house with a secret basement and it's full with cocaine. I'm talking about stacked 10 to 12 high all around the whole room. I'm like, that's like three to 400 of them. He's like, yeah, but you don't have to worry about that. But you do have to stay here tonight while we get your order. I'm like, no, I have somewhere to go. I got something to do. He said, no, don't worry about it, man. You have to stay here tonight while we load your car up and all of that shit is rules to this shit. Didn't I tell you that? So it was no in and outs. Nobody could never knew when I was coming or going because he never told me when I was coming or going. So that way he said, you can't tell nobody you're going to meet me because you don't know when you're coming to meet right. me. And, and you it, couldn't leave to say, hey, they're loading up the car right now. There's... Couldn't leave. By the time I left, everything was gone. Everybody was cleared out. So it just took a lot of my time. But what that made me do also, never run out. Now I won't run out and I won't run low because this is going to be inconvenient. I never know how this is going to go. I don't know which house we're going to go to because some of those houses we would meet at, three weeks later, those houses would be completely inserted completely empty on the market for sale like they never kept them more than a year right. never so that's when i knew i was dealing with some people who was like way beyond my level and i was like oh shit so never bring the money with you never somebody else is going to pick the money up from you random person random car we won't even tell you till they get there so just kind of be ready so it was always a kind of a balance i wouldn't say he was giving me to work on consignment but it was a balance like um like, um, you got 200K, okay, somebody's coming to get that. You give them that, okay, but I still got this left. It, it was it was a thing where you're not going to get me busted. Right. Mind you, this guy was so serious that he, he was from Mexico and didn't deal with a lot of his own people because he said they want my position. They don't think I should be here doing it on this level. They believe they should. So if they knew this, they would take me out. Okay. Never got caught. Never. He never... He never came on the forefront, so he just had it where 
he dealt with me and then no one else couldn't bring nobody, couldn't refer nobody. He didn't want to do none of that. He had enough people. So from there, I mean, uh, I just have to say from there, the money I was able to make from there is the shit that got me in so much trouble because now my level went up. They called me a supplier. You're a supplier. You're a high level supplier. You're supplying half of this area and we want you. Right. How long did that take for them to come and grab you? Or how that's that, so that? so from about I was I'm a, and again only about three years I lasted doing that about three years but I was able to make about a significant make a significant enough a significant enough amount of money to kind of position myself if I had to go to jail I I, I kind of was almost ready for it so what happened was um I was over I was over at a, uh, an apartment that I didn't think anybody knew about and I was in there uh kind of processing the drugs kind of processing it but then let me let me rewind what happened was I started buying cars I started buying I bought another Rolex I bought a brand new uh Denali Chevy I mean Yukon Denali fixed it up put the 22 inch rims on there all of this music and all of this stuff and I used to keep storage lockers so I didn't drive this truck to my suburban home where school teachers and 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 clerks and people lived in this suburban neighborhood this car didn't match that neighborhood so i kept it in the storage locker so one night i was in a rush and i went to my storage locker and i hurry i'm like oh i'm running late this thing is gonna this gate is gonna lock in about 20 minutes so i hurry up and went in the storage locker i drove my truck in there and i grabbed a duffel bag out of a a truck backed my other car out which was a white late model sedan threw the bag in there and hurry up and drove out what was an off-duty police officer just happened to see me do that move and she went and reported that she saw a guy do what looked like a suspicious move right they took my license plate and start investigating me from there followed up on the license plate start finding out who i am asked the people at the front desk of the storage who i was like who's this guy he has a a storage locker over there, man. And, and, and we just saw him do something. He's like, he told me that he was like, some people ask some questions about you, man. And they seem like they're cops, man. So whatever you're doing, man, I hope you're not doing any illegal activity out of this place. Cause you know, that'll void out your contract. But I just didn't like the way they came in asking me about you. And they gave me your unit number, but needless to say, they were already on me. So I'm inside this apartment and I'm processing, cooking up, doing my stuff. And, um, a lady knocks at the door. And then she knocks at the door. I look out the peephole and I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, what is she doing here? And I'm like, okay, I'm not, I mean, they're not, they got the wrong house. And she keeps knocking. So I, uh, I go back to the door again and I open the door. I was like, she's like, what's going on? She was like, um, yeah, is this the unit for rent? I'm looking to rent this, this condo right here. And I was like, no, this is not the unit. Why would you come here? Go to the office. I think get away from, it. I was like, no. And I, I closed the door on her face. Three minutes later. They were through the door, 20 deep, right in the mix. They caught me in the mix, in the act. I was right there in the house, me and one other person, and it was bad right then and there. And this is the big case where, this is a big enough case where I had to go to prison. But again, I had money. They found that time, I want to say about 250 cash, about 100K worth of drugs, they found a couple guns, but it's another person in the house, and my name is not on the lease, and I did not have the keys on me. My lawyer made the case. He don't live there. He was there visiting. Right. Who's your informant? We need to know. We got all the way to preliminary hearing. This is on the state level. Got all the way to preliminary hearing. They were offering me 10 years state. Got all the way to preliminary hearing, 
And he said, well, look, this is what we'll do. You guys know you fucked up on this case. You had bad information. Wasn't his house. Wasn't his shit. He happened to be there. I ended up pleading for three years with half. You do 12 months off of that. Okay. So again, here it is. I got off by the hair of my chin. Saying, did you, were you out on bond during this or were you in? Nah, I stayed in because okay. I was on probation from like a minor infraction of just getting caught in the car with like $10,000 and some weed. I took informal probation. Okay. I took no, no. I took formal probation, which is three year felony probation. But they was like, okay. So you're on probation. You just get caught in a house with drugs. With drugs, yeah, which is my no main thing that I wanted, to, did never wanted to do. But they like, okay, forfeit the money. Like I said, it was uh, almost like two thirty in cash, all cash. The drugs equal close to a hundred. A uh, couple guns in there. So it's me and another guy. The guy's like, well, you know, I mean. Maybe worth it for me to, you know, I mean, I, I can handle some of this, man. I got a strong back. I can handle some of this pressure. So needless to say, he 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 got a little bit more time than me. But he knew once he came out of jail, he would be straight. He knew. Don't have to worry about nothing. Like once you touch down, everybody's going to know this noble act that you did. And they're going to look at you a certain way. You, don't, you won't have to worry about anything. Right. So you went to prison. You did. State how, prison, how much San Quentin. Are you serious? San Quentin State Prison. Mind, this is in 2000. Is this that is a pen or is that a that's medium? That's state prison. That's a pen. That's a prison. San Quentin State Prison on the island. Like uh, they closed Alcatraz and opened San, San Quentin. I know, but I'm saying, is it a pen? Is it like a medium? Oh, that's a, that's a medium. That, that's like a, it's death row. That's death row maximum. And then they have a camp in a, like, like the federal prisons, a camp in a low to support the high levels. But I went to the higher level since it was uh, like a higher end crime. But again, once I got there and I got processed and the amount of time I got left, I didn't have to stay long. Again, my, the money I had saved me again, but I was able to see what it was and get a CDC number. That's why I'm bringing it up. I had a CDC number and I'm in the system and I did plead guilty to a drug charge. I fucked up by pleading guilty to a drug charge because it feels like if we get him on a drug charge, if we ever catch him, we can charge him with a prior. We, If we ever catch him again, we'll give him a prison prior since we actually sent him to prison, even if it's just a turnaround. So right. that messed me up. But again, when you give a young person money that doesn't understand the money then it's almost a disservice because I'm now running running around. I'm running wild. I get right back out. I don't waste no time, and I jump back right in the game. And within 12 months, I was a millionaire. This is about 21 to 22 years old. I got right back out. I had no consideration for the law. I hated police even more. I hated the system. I'm like, well, you guys brought this shit to us. Y'all allowed us to sell it, but then you get mad and try to take us all to jail. I, I kind of like made up a reason in my head to right, justify, justify my actions, even though I knew this shit. It wasn't true it's just like it's easier to make up a reason to do some bullshit so i got out and i just went full-fledged i went full-fledged now another guy that i was really close with he's the one that starts saying bro ever since you got out you've been going harder than ever you stay away from the shit you're never around it and then this is the guy that told me he was like um won't you come over here and um let me give a millionaire a hug or something to that effect like uh because it was a, a song out at the time called uh like uh hot boys and they had a song like that and it's like the people who were high level they would give each other hugs when they greet each other and shake hands and embrace and show love and then i'm like what do you mean give a millionaire a hug and he like bro i know how much money i've been making and um that means you have to have at least 1.2. You, I know you're over a million. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm getting there, though. I'm getting there, though. I hadn't even counted up my money before. 
never counted up all my money before. I'm a young kid. I don't have a clue of what's going on. All I'm doing is hustling, working, messing with girls, hustling, hustling, working some more. And working, I mean, going in the lab. Nobody can know where these labs are at private once you're there three to four months if the neighbors start noticing you you have to get out of there and already have another one to transition into because that's the way you won't let that one get busted and then you just i just like i don't want to be in another house with drugs in it i just can't be in the same place with these drugs and as long as i'm doing that i don't i don't even think i understood conspiracy back then all i thought was don't get caught with drugs right so when i um he told me that i went and counted up all the money and he was right. 300 here, 200 there, 350 here, another 140 there, 170 here, 170 here. So once I counted up this money and I realized it was about what he said and how he knew was intriguing to me because I'm like, God damn, I'm not even paying attention to how much money I'm really making. But I'm out here in these streets every day. I'm slipping. I'm thinking in my mind, I'm slipping. I'm not applying myself. How, how old are you? At this point, I'm about 21. I'm going on 22. My first daughter is born. This is when I really decided that I was going hard, full-fledged, no plan, just like I'm hustling. every. My whole life was grinding, waking up in the morning, a joint before I brushed my teeth, a shot of Grey Goose or whatever we were drinking at the time, maybe some Cristal. Maybe we was drinking Moet and Cristal all the time because we just knew that we were winning, but I didn't know I was winning at that magnitude. But the the bad part about that is once he told me that, I started acting like I was what he told me I was, spending money so fast. Another Rolex, a different car, another car that rims music, just old school cars, just like go buy a Chevy, put 10 G's in music, just like this money started dwindling so fast. And I slacked off my grind. The same guy, which is a drug dealing mentor, if that makes sense. I know a lot of people didn't ever hear of a drug dealing mentor, but you need mentors in whatever you do. Because he's the one that pulled me by the collar, snatched me up and like, bro, tighten the fuck up. Get back on top of your game. All you're doing is spending money. You're drinking. Someone told me you was in a club drunk, disrespecting people. Get over yourself and get back in the game. But I had already blew about a quarter of the money. So I went down and I was like, oh, shit, he's right. He's right. Let me snap out of it. And I jumped back into my bag, which means got back on my grind and start going hard all over again. I reset. I did a reset. From there, like uh, I was not having to go on the streets anymore because I made a crew where we can just wholesale to the other dealers that was buying at least a kilo. This is when I'm like, OK, if this guy want a unit and that guy want a unit, we can just serve them and then we can make the profit because we're getting them so low. I mean, I never have to get up to 100 units if I can get the best price on 30 to 50 and make more profit because I have a better connect than them. Then I don't necessarily need to go all the way up to the highest level in this, which most people will never reach the high level. So from there, I mean, I just rolled around doing it over and over, getting you know, 20s, 30s, sometimes 50. That was like my biggest order, getting like 50 of them at a time, which was a heavy responsibility. I had to hide them at two or three places just so if we took a loss at one place, we knew we didn't lose the whole load. But again, people were assuming, but they just didn't know the exact level I was at. They knew I was having money. They knew I was making, making waves and my name was kind of ringing, but they definitely didn't know exactly the magnitude of it. So when I got the big state sentence, what happened was this. I got into it a guy over 
him wanting a lower price. He's questioning me about my connect and he's demanding a lower price from me, uh, which is about a thousand to fifteen hundred lower than the going price. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that, man. I'd rather not deal with you at all than cut my price down. So to make you happy and you're not even buying enough. And he's like, well, I'll buy three at a time or five. And I'm like, no, he mentioned my name to an investigator he worked directly with. But he's not considered an informant because he didn't snitch on me. He mentioned my name. I'm not sure how that works. It, uh, he, um, well, well, well um, the, the investigator would give him shit sometimes. Like, oh, I took some shit from over here, bro. Here, you take it and give me a, a certain amount. Like, all right, cool. Or he'll say something like, man, them dudes around there, man, they kicking up a lot of noise with that violence, man. Go tell them to stop all that violence and keep them gun that gunplay out of the uh, mix. And I would uh, and I'm going to back off of them. So he he says it's a relationship with right. the cop. The cop ended up getting caught, fired and going to jail, too. So that's why he don't think it was snitching. He don't think it was telling which it is, though. So him mentioning my name to this investigator. That investigator had a personal vendetta against me. He starts following me around every day for two years. Every day. He said, I know your girlfriends. I know where you live. I know where you sleep. I know everything about you. And how he got on to me is he uh, had my PO call me for a meeting at the parole office because I'm on state parole. I go there the middle of the day, switch my clothes, put on a work outfit, and I go there as if nothing's going on. And uh, this dude follows me he gets a fucking trail on me and he's able to keep up with me like I, I didn't even know this until I get arrested for months and months and months he's keeping up with me like I said almost two years and then finally one day again a house is filled with money and it's filled with drugs I leave out I'm about to go over to another place that we just got we barely got this place within a week and I get pulled over by a plain clothes a plain clothes officer so I'm like uh I tell the guy, I'm like, uh, then I'm on the phone with him. I'm like, hey, bro, I'm getting pulled over by a plainclothes officer. This shit never works out good. They got guns on their legs. And there's another car in front of me now that won't move. So I can't drive off. It's all bad. So he spread the word that I was getting arrested. And it was just what I said. They picked me up, threw me in a car, took the keys out of my pocket and took me right back to the house that I had just left. And now they go in there. Another 200K in the closet. Not as much drugs, though, but I have a prior prison prior from before. And this is when they give me the big amount of time. And that's when was I was a house in your name. House wasn't in my name, but having keys to that house gave me control over it. And this investigator testified that he saw me entering that residence over and over doing drug dealer activity. Right. So I'm like, wow. This is this is this is not good. This is not good. So we're fighting. We're fighting again. I'm in. I can't bail out. But they ended up um what ended up happening. Oh, I had a co-defendant. He was there. Him and his girl was there. It was another guy. His girlfriend was there. So they uh get arrested too. And all they're trying to do is get them to say that everything was mine, but they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't say everything was mine. We all were there, except it was a room that was locked up. And then one of my keys opened that room and they found a majority of the shit in that room. So definitely I was like, I was a uh, possession. What they say you had access to it. So you possessed it. Right. So that time I got a lawyer, but they weren't giving up. They was like, nah, you going down. They offered me uh 14 years. They offered me 14. I ended up getting that 12 with right. half times because it was no violence involved and then you can get additional good time for good behavior like uh fire camp 
community service and all of that stuff. So they asked me that I want to go home on bond. I said, no, I want to get this time out the way. I'm telling them I, I, I'd rather sit here. So I end up sitting there. Off of that, I did about 40% of that sentence because I went to the fire camp. We go to the fire camp. You, oh, you know, you have to go through San Quentin. Now San Quentin is only a reception center. You only go through there. You go through there before they find you your regular placement. And since I was considered a low-level offender, only a drug dealer, they allowed me to go to fire camp. Once I, uh, I signed up for fire camp, it took another year for me to get there. I get into the firefighter program. I'm like, oh, wow, uh, I'm, I'm going to get a good gap of time off of this sentence. So I should be out. And, and this is 2005. This is no 2004, and I ended up getting out like around 08. I ended up getting around in the end of 08 going into 09. So, so I did a substantial amount of time on, on this. I did some time. Four years? Off of, yeah. I did a third of that. I did about a little over a third of it. So, but that was a big sentence. And, and, and I, the reason why I'm saying it was a long sentence is because I never got sentenced that long. I was ready to start trial, but this officer was going to come in there lying and telling them. It was your drugs, though. It was my drugs, but the, the 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 way that he got to me was he said he watched me go in and out of this house, which he couldn't watch me going in and out of this house because the, the way that the door is positioned. But he just told that I was a known drug I was a known drug dealer. He had information to know that I uh, was doing all of this stuff, and he was gonna testify that. But you I mean, you were a known drug dealer. I was a known drug dealer, but he used. <laughs> He used some slick methods to get oh, me. I hate it when they're underhanded. Well, 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 he underhanded me, but I mean, I was like, you know what? I can't fight him. I mean, what's, what's the best deal possible? I dreaded having to go do this time in prison. I, at this time, I never did more than a year. Never did more than a year, There's but here it is. Camp. It, it sounds fun. It sounds, hey, hey, it, was, it, was, it wasn't the worst. It wasn't the worst, but I mean, in the woods. It, it changed my perspective, man. We're going to the woods. We're fighting. We're actually working with direct firefighters, man. We're climbing mountains. We're hiking. I actually kind of like those, um don't those guys get killed every once in a while everyone every uh, people die up there on those mountains the fire burns over some us we're inmates but the thing about the the firefighters who actually work for the department of forestry they don't treat you like a inmate we're, you're, if you're on the side of them fighting the fire right. your your civil duty is to protect this dude's life that's how you made it there you said you would protect somebody's life and they would protect yours so if you see something coming some flames a wild animal a rock falling off of a hill you you, you should protect these people so but my perspective changed after that though it, it was kind of almost like this shit ain't worth it for me man i'm doing pretty good i'm having money everything is cool but this is right here the time when i knew i couldn't do it because remember i said i was on my way to a brand new place that no one knew i had so since nobody knew i had this place except for the person that helped me get this apartment what i was able to do was uh hide a bunch of shit there so i called home from the county jail and i was like hey um you know i didn't feed my animals man i, I got like three or four puppies that i had just got and they're over here at this new place so the person on the other line they knew exactly what i meant so once you go over there and pick them up and make sure they're all right so by the time he gets there he like oh they're gone already and i'm like what do you mean He's like somebody let them out somebody let them out there's no it's no dogs there's no puppies it's nothing there and i'm like what he's like yes yeah, nothing there the person that helped me get the apartment mm -hmm. broke into the apartment and took everything right this was about about another 200k close to 250k worth of product inside of an apartment that nobody knew about so um so when you got out so you knew that before you went in that what 
you knew all that stuff was missing before you went in. No, no, no. He took it the day I got arrested. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Before, he, So you got arrested. Mm-hmm. He took all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Then you do your time. Mm-hmm. Then you go to get out. Mm-hmm. And what happens then? You get out. You thought she had this stuff. No, I didn't think I had the stuff. No, I knew I, he had got it. I know. I'm mm-hmm. saying you thought you, you knew that stuff was gone. Mm-hmm. So you're getting out to nothing. Mm-hmm. And you know this guy ripped you off. I know he ripped me right. off. He did it maliciously. He never had any intent to help me out. He just used it for himself, but he never came up off of it. And then he went and told everybody that I would come after him for accu- I was accusing him of doing it, and I would come after him for that. Did, did you accuse you of him of well, it? Well, I didn't did even it? accuse him of it, but he figured I got word. I never asked him about it. I never right. even told anybody that I thought it was him. He kind of put his foot in his mouth because like within three to four months of me being arrested, he uh he starts all of a sudden having shit. He starts having more things than he should have had, and he wasn't on a certain level that he should be having brand new cars going on trips and doing this type of stuff he was doing so he used the money that he didn't work for to do his own thing like um, w- w- which is what people do i'm not really mad at that but the say, fact yeah. that you didn't give a fuck about me man you just counted me out because you really thought that i would get the 15 20 years even though it still would have been with halftime you still thought i would get that 20 years at the newspaper and all of these articles said that i would get so you thought that you had a one-up on me but when i came out i didn't even think about him I didn't even show him any consideration. I didn't even pay attention to well, him. You know, here's the thing. Like, I mean, obviously that, that happens to everybody across the board. People just immediately start cannibalizing you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I, I knew a guy who lived in over a million-dollar house, mm-hmm. was friends with his neighbors. They went to barbecues. They hung out. They were, he got arrested. It was in the newspaper. He wasn't getting bond. Um, and then he ended up – he didn't get bond. His brother went to his house. He's like, look, go to my house, lock it up, do this, do that. He goes to the house, and literally his brother shows up and catches one of the next-door neighbors stealing his, like, he had, like, a $10,000 grill in the backyard. Whoa. And so you're you're living in, like, a multi-million-dollar house. Your neighbors live in a multi-million-dollar house. Mm -hmm. They're, like, like, you know, they're— successful business owners mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they know you're they think oh he's not coming back he's not getting bond hey he's got a really nice grill let's go over there and steal it like what are you doing what are you doing like, he and i remember him telling me that being like what scumbags and i was just like bro like that happens all the time to yeah. re- people that are in the game you know what i'm saying like guys all your buddies immediately go into your place and take your tv or this oh, or yeah, that and you're like that. what the hell's what? going on yeah where's on but 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 um these people are worth millions People are just scumbags. In, in general, what I've learned from just reading the comment section mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is people are just scumbags. They really are. People are? They are. Yeah. Listen, my wife and I were talking about that. The things that people say in the comment section really let you know who they are. And what I've decided is. is that the bulk of people are just scumbags. They say scumbag things. They have scumbag op- opinions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's people, are, people are horrible. It's a horrible species. It, well, well, I think that um, automatically, are some sometimes mo- a lot of people's first thought is the negative, like, "What can I do to uh, to show this guy he's not this or he's not that?" Some of their opinions like are jealousy. just like, jealousy because I ran into it and I couldn't even believe it. I'm like, bro, I'm like, why would you play me, bro? I'm the, I'm the person that you can trust enough. I'm the person that will help you. Make something of yourself if you really want to do it. I'm not the person that wants to hold everything for myself. Like, I mean, I know it's not nothing 
nothing to really uh, glorify, but anybody that worked with me made money. There's no way you were working with me and then I'm the only one in the group making money. No, what you need? You want a car? You trying to buy a jewelry? You want to help your parents out? Okay, let's do it. Do it like this. Okay, I'm going to cut you in. You don't even work for me. You actually are a partner. Whenever you tell somebody they work for you in that industry, that breeds jealousy right there. So I knew better. I don't have no workers, man. We just a crew. We're a team. We all work on the same team. So let's get this money, man. Oh, no, that's yours. That's not mine. That's yours. You have a vested interest in that. Like, I'm not getting nothing off of your stuff, man. got mines anyway so you're right so what i do is um i just don't listen to people who i don't want to be like i stopped doing that because a lot of people they judge me for being a person who i am but then when i say something to them it's kind of like they're better well okay all you did is listen to other people your whole life you worked for other people your whole life and you still live in payday to payday borrowing money taking cash advances from your check but then you want me to listen to you only because i've been to prison so if i'm a horrible person for going to prison you're a horrible person for never taking risks never so believing you've been out yourself. this whole time yeah you've been out this whole time and this is all you've accomplished is needing to borrow a hundred dollars and you're 35 years old right I, you should be feeling very bad about yourself because you're gonna blame me and fault me i mean i paid my debt to society right why did they create the prison system because if you get caught up you have to pay your debt to society with the Congress and the government decided was acceptable, right? Like, okay, if you do this, you get a year. But if you do this, you get 10 years. I fell into that. Going against the state was one thing, but I never felt a certain way until I went against the government. I knew my ass was out when I went against the government. The state prison, I was always almost ready to buy myself out of it. You you, you get what I'm saying? Like, if you have a few dollars in the state, man, a good lawyer that knows a U.S. attorney, I mean, that knows a judge and a district attorney, they can get you out of these things, man. It's like, come I, I probably should have had, no lie, Matt, I should have had about 25 years for all of those infractions in the state. Now, mind you, I didn't kill anybody, so I would have only got about half of that because it was only drug offenses. Let me like, look, for instance, one time we had a stash house. It's like in a good neighborhood in Oakland that I knew I shouldn't have been in. I knew fucking well that all of these people in this neighborhood do not like my kind of people. So people act like racism doesn't get doesn't exist. Well, change the word because it exists. So I'm in this neighborhood and I'm kind of in and out. I don't work. I got a brand new car. I look good and I wear nice jewelry. So one night I'm leaving, one of the neighbors reported me that it was illicit activity going on out of my unit. He reported me. So a cop came around there looking at me, watching me. He came around there. He looking, he watched me, he followed me and he got off of me. But he had my license plate number and he kind of said, OK, he comes here once or twice a day. But he I, I really don't see nothing. One night I'm leaving there. And um, I get in the car, I'm getting on the freeway. I got like about a unit with me, one unit. And I got about like 14, about, about 14,000 bucks, two cell phones. I'm leaving this, I'm leaving this apartment. Like I said, it's a good neighborhood. I get on the freeway. It's an all black vice car behind me. So again, I get on the phone and I call the guy that I'm going to meet. I call the guy that I'm going to meet and I'm like, um, bro, where you at? He said, I'm at the same place we always meet at. So he, he not saying the exact location. Neither am I. I said, bro, it's a vice car following me, man. I got off the freeway and I got right back on and he did the same thing. He like, you sure? I said, bro, this is a vice car. The front windshield is tinted. It's all black. Now it's about eight o'clock at night. So he's like, all right, well, just get to the safety zone. That means our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Get to the safety zone. No matter what, get to the safety zone. And I got you. So I I said, let me do this again. I'm going to get off on our exit, and then I'm going to see what he does. I get off on this exit, and he flips the light. 
I hit the gas. I'm in the Chevy Trailblazer, the SS versions of it. It's a fast SUV. I hit the gas. We going. He behind me. He calling for backup. I'm doing about 70 miles an hour through residential neighborhoods. We're high speed chasing. He on me. I'm like, I knew he was on me. This is a, I'm, I'm going down for this. It's all bad. I get a one block jump on him and I hit the corner doing about 50 and I crash. Hit my head on the steering wheel. All of that. I'm kind of dazed. But mind you, I got a block on him. I snap out of it, jump out the car and I start running i'm unable to grab anything out of the damn car because i just need to get away so i run he's chasing me down the street he's on me he's chasing me on foot i'm talking about he's pretty quick but he got all of this weight on him and i don't but i'm kind of dizzy i jump into a yard it's a dog back there jump right out of that yard to the next yard the next yard and i run across the freeway that's the only reason why i get away I run across the whole entire freeway, barely escape death and get to our safety zone. The guy who I was just on the phone with circling the block and I see him driving slow and I'm able to dive in the back of his car. He picks me up and we drive out the area. This motherfucker said, where's the shit at? I said, fool, I left it. What do you mean? Where's the shit? I barely got away. I'm sweating. I'm pant. I mean, my face is white like I saw a ghost. Everything goes down. I had the person who the car registered in. Go find the car. Go find out what's going on. See what's going on. Get a police report. Nothing reported found in the car. Hmm. Two ounces of dope. Think you got lost? Two, two ounces of dope. <laughs> no money. And two cell phones is all that's on the police well, maybe report. Maybe did you have the window open? Maybe it maybe away. Ma- maybe the window was open. Come to find Possibly. out, it's one of those rogue. You're very cops. negative. It's one of those rogue cops. No, I'm not going to sit here and listen to you. Come talk to bad find about the out, police. Come to find out, when the feds get me, the same cop showed up eight years later. Eight years later, he showed. He said, "I bet you won't be running across any freeways today." I guarantee you, you won't. They finally. So this motherfucker let me know that he was the officer, which we thought he was, that got my car, that nothing was in. They really couldn't charge me because I didn't get caught at the scene. So I got away from that, but by the hair of my chin. But here it is like that's a mistake that I overlooked just trying to be better, but going somewhere that I absolutely was not welcome. And they was not welcoming in no person. with no these people here work. And you don't work. You're home all day. And they're like, you're in and out. It looks like you're, you're doing some trafficking, buddy. And they called the cops and they really literally start watching me. Literally. And, it, you know, it was a big deal to me because it was a loss, but not a significant enough loss to put a dent in my program. You know so, what I mean? So so what happened when you you got out of prison with your, your the guy that ripped you off? What happened with them? What, what happened Did you then? Track them down. They find I, I, I didn't want to track them down. You know what? After doing that much time in prison, I know I, you didn't track them. I'm uh, just like, I know. I know. The, 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 the thing, the thing about that is, I, I looked at him and where he was in life, and I looked at me. Come to find out, those guys. So while I was in prison in a state prison, this happened to me then, and it happened to me when I was in federal prison. I get a random letter with an address on there of one of those old houses that we used back in like 0304 that they had been moved out of and i remembered the address so i get a letter with a random name on it and it just says we really appreciate you we love you your family is fine everybody's doing well we don't work at the factory anymore but just let us know when you get out that's it that was a letter from my connect that had since stop messing around with that shit because shit was getting too hot shit was getting too close for comfort and he definitely knew that i stayed solid because they could have came after him on that time when they asked me hey let us go after him 
We know you don't have all of this stuff on your own. You have a connection. We'll take them down. But it's a state level, so it's not so intense. They just ask me to cooperate. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Do you want to get out of this trouble? Help us out. We need bigger bus. Well, they, they didn't even offer to let me out of jail. They just like, help us out. Give us bigger bus. We'll take them instead of you. Absolutely not, man. I don't know that. But the guys that I dealt with knew that. And they knew nothing came their way. Nobody came to their door. But once I got out, I was done with that shit. I said, I'm done with that shit. I don't want to get involved anymore. I didn't go after my cousin. He ended up moving out of state. We fell out completely. We still haven't spoke. We probably won't ever speak. You betrayed me. You didn't care about me, my family, my children. So therefore, we have nothing to say to each other. But I decided while I was in fire camp from talking to miscellaneous people, when you make it to that low level, you end up being in there with some people that know a bunch of stuff you don't know. And that's how I met this guy. And I met a lot of people, but one guy in particular named Evan, he was like, um, walking laps with me. We talked a lot you know, telling stories and stuff like that. I knew we had money, but he didn't brag about having money. You can just tell he never missed commissary, but he used to like to smoke that bugler. And at this time, that bugler, which is those cigarettes that you roll up yourself, mm-hmm. um, People that smoke that kind of have bad nerves because you sneaking around to smoke cigarettes in jail and these cigarettes are illegal. They're illegal. Contraband. Contraband. Yeah, that's what it is. Contraband. So if you get caught with it, you'll lose good time. But I I don't smoke. I have never smoked. The most I smoke was some weed. But uh, he asked me when I was getting out, he asked me would I be able to uh, meet up with his sister and give her a few cans of Bugler. And I mean, we talked about linking up when he get out, but I, I didn't realize he was getting deported. So once he got out, he was going to get deported. I don't think he knew either because had he known, they wouldn't uh took him to a fire camp because he could have did a walk away. Right. So what I did was I, um, he was like, you sure you're going to do it, man? I don't think you're going to do it because I asked four or five guys that go home to just, and the bugler was $17 a, a, a can. It's 17 right. bucks a can in 2009, right? 2009, about 17 no, two thousand eight. What? Yeah, eight oh eight oh nine. So I was like, I'll do it. I'll give him. Um, I'll give him. Um, the bugle. He's like, No, you're not. You're not gonna do it. You're not gonna do it. So I got out. First week I was out, I had a sister. I was like, Hello, hey, you going to see him? Okay. Well, he wants some bugle. She's like, I know. I don't know why he likes that stuff. I was like, yeah, I can meet you or your other sister, and I'll give it to you. So I gave him that, a couple lighters, and all this stuff. So I did it. I actually delivered. From there, he said, Thank you so much. You kept your word. Now call these people and they got your back. And I'm like, well, what, what do you mean by that? Like I said, while we were in prison, we were fighting fires together. We were eating together sometimes. I mean, um, kind of like learning each other's lifestyles. He was a different nationality from a whole other country. So therefore, um, you know, uh, I didn't know if he was serious or not. But when he gave me the contact information to the people who gave it to me for, it was amazing because... All they had was money plays up that didn't consist of anything drug related. Like I said, first things they said, they was like, we have uh, we have some loads for you. And I'm like, some loads. And he's like, yeah, this one's first one's going to be in between three and five thousand. But you could double or triple that. I'm like, well, what's in it? He's like, uh, we don't know. We don't know. But Evan says, you're cool. He says, you're one of his guys and we can work with you. So the first time I did it. Mind you, I got out. I tried to get a job. I tried to take a trade. I tried to do something other than what I had been doing all my life, which was dealing drugs. I've been dealing drugs since I was at this point 11 years old. And I decided that I didn't want to do that no more. And if this was another way to make some money that nobody was getting hurt and I didn't have to deal directly, I was ready to do it. So I got the first one. I was like, okay, cool, cool. What's in it? I found out and I looked at the retail price of everything. And then I knew some 
store owners and business owners that wouldn't mind buying it for a cool little upsell. So I was like, damn, I, that was that was easy. What, I mean, what was in it? So this one was just only computers. The first time it was only laptops, a bunch of laptops, and that was it. So how like, are they getting the laptops? Do you, do you I, know? I, well, I, I I didn't ask at the time. At the time, I didn't but you, ask. You gotta know. Right. I kind of know. And I was, that's what I was going to say on the next one. When they're asking for more money for another box, it was like, we got another box. And it's really just a crate. It's just a big old crate with a bunch of shit in there. So they have to have somewhere to deliver it to. So come to find out, they were doing the um, the dumps in the fools. They order right. stuff and they get this stuff delivered. But they're, they got a bunch of people sitting on the computer all day long just ordering stuff. And then back then, it was so easy to order stuff on the um, internet with uh, other people's information. So that this is fake credit card information. Credit cards. Yeah. Uh, 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 you can give check by phone. They had it figured out. At some point, he asked me, did I want to get into that part of it? And I can have my own stuff and I didn't have to pay them for what they got because because you got to think they spend a thousand to two thousand on information and they can get 20 or 30 thousand worth of stuff. I don't have to go in a store. I don't have to send anybody. I don't have to see anybody but them. So if they only spent two thousand dollars or a thousand dollars on the dark web for this information, they got somebody like me to come give them 12 to 15. But I can still go make the rest of the difference. Right. Then here it is. I'm winning, so I took advantage of that. I did that for years. Well, how do you make the rest of the damn? I mean, the the rest of the uh, the difference. Are you you're selling it directly to wholesalers, or I'm sorry, to um, retailers, or are you selling it to like on eBay or something? No, I sell it to people who did import export. I sold it to people who had flea market and small shops. I sold it to people who had uh, just someone else that'll pay them more for it. Like this is a quick little story. One time I had 300 iPhones at one time. 300. It was iPhone four. So threes or four fours whatever it was 300 of them but these and I, back when they were available they like, were available like, yeah, yeah they were, were like 600 each 500 okay. each, which was a lot of money it was a lot of money i paid 220 or 180 to 220 per and then i was able to go sell them for five five thirty to 550 per because the and I, so i asked the guy why would you pay me this amount and they're only going for 650 700 he said well my people aren't like your people we're in volume if i make 30 bucks per you're not if I make 30 bucks per phone times 100, I make good money today. And I got 300 of them and you're not my only person. So right. I make way more money than you because I know all you guys. Right. So he messed me up with that. Like, I know all he just put me in the you guys category <laughs> and let me know he was much bigger of a right. boss than me. He said, so me with 30 bucks per unit. It's way better than what you're trying to do because you're taking more risk. Because I guess he thought I was going in the stores and getting this stuff myself and actually yeah. doing the footwork, which I wasn't. So he said, I sell in volume, which made a lot of sense. 50 bucks per times 300, you get another 100 from somewhere else and you're importing them or whatever it is that you're doing with them. He was making good money. He was right. So uh, the guy offered me. No, no. It was his time to start getting out of prison. He didn't know he was getting deported, but instead of him going home, they took him straight to INS, and he ended up getting shipped out the country. I thought we were going to link up and become partners because I spoke to him the whole time, but he never made it back to the United States. So he ran a business internationally, and then for a minute, he started having me send him um, Western Union, right? But I sent so much money yet Western Union. It was only so many times that I could switch names and use these other people's identity and pay people to go to Western Union to try to send a big bulk of money. So that's when I found out about the digital currency, which was Liberty Reserve at the time. And then the other one called Perfect Money, where you can just buy into it at uh, you use exchangers. 
and you give them the cash and then they upload your digital account and at the at the time like i said it was a small percentage of a brokerage fee and i was able to pay him pay them because he never said it was him i paid them which i'm sure it probably was him right and he uh from there i mean shit it just went up man it just went up man because i was able to still run up another high six figures off just doing this and that's when he offered me do i want to get in the game with the dumps and the fools and the you know dealing with people's personal information which i said no he had a bunch of profile information information that he knew that if i got a hold to it i could probably resell it and make extra money because again he trusted me enough to talk to me himself as many as people as he sent to meet me to pick up money drop off money mind you we're trading um digital currency they didn't call it cryptocurrency yet because i hadn't even bought my first bitcoin yet so what i did was um made sure he got his money always made my money and i said well you know what i will try to be a broker of information i'm like i it, it's worth a try what if i make extra money so from there i was able to get the information it would be on a hard drive or he would send it to me through an encrypted email file like a a, a drop file and i would get it and i'm like damn this just looks like a bunch of numbers to me it, i mean it just doesn't really look like much but after i told three people i realized that People paid up to $150 for one person's information, but they could turn around and make $1,000 off of it. So I started scratching my head thinking like, so these these crates and these containers and half containers that I'm buying sometime for up to $40,000, like a $40,000 one would make me back close to 100. And I didn't have to do anything but get it, tell three people about it, see which one wanted that container or crate like a big old crate a cargo crate and then i just hand it to them always get my cash and then i start taking digital currency too a couple things happened after that liberty reserved liberty reserves got seized by the feds they had a message on their site one day that if you have any money with this company traded bought or bartered any business with these people contact the u.s department of justice right now Needless to say, I left about like 21,000 in there. I didn't contact them. The owner of that ended up getting like 40 years. They said you were running an international money laundering scheme. And they like a lot of people I know lost money, but we just didn't want to chase it because we had made so much money in there. And a lot of people know about it, but then some won't. The early, early adapters would know about it. And then from there, you had to use perfect money. And I'm only saying this to say that this is how I exchange money because Western Union wasn't feasible and it's not it's an all cash business if they're close to you. But now I'm dealing with people on an international level. So with that being said, I um start using this one called perfect money. So with perfect money with them, you can almost be an investor in there. So if you got five, 10 K. You can make it with 10K, 8,500, you make three to 400 a day because it's people in third world countries that'll take a $4 loan and pay you back $4.50. A $40 loan to pay you back $4.50 pretty much off of $40. And it don't seem like a lot, but they're leveraging all of your money that you have in there. And then you'll get your deposits and you can withdraw your deposits whenever you want to. So I didn't believe it was possible. And then one day I woke up and they said, you live in the United States. You can no longer use this website. Whatever money you have here is here. You can't deposit or take more money out of it. And I'm scratching my head like an idiot until I realized all I need is a VPN and some socks to change my location to spain and i took my money out of that real quick before i losing it all i might have left a thousand bucks in there at this time but 
from that alone, I was making four hundred five, four to five hundred bucks a day just from digital currency. Then Bitcoin came around, changed my life. Like uh, I was able to accumulate Bitcoins when, I, again, they were like eighty seven dollars to about one hundred and fifteen dollars. But a lot of people will. The three people who I dealt with were dealing with Bitcoin instead of cash. You can transfer it anywhere. It's untraceable. The Silk Road used it in every fraud forum used Bitcoin. Now, at this point, mind you, this is 2009, 2010. No, 2009, 2009, 10, no, 10, 11. This is 2010 and 11. So it wasn't a big deal to me because I'm like, why does the price fluctuate uh, of this thing so much, man? The other ones were more stable. And he's like, don't worry about that, because whatever it's at at the moment is what it goes for. Nobody's judging you off of if it, if it drops or if it raises. Just, um, you know, let's just do it like this because we can remain anonymous and nobody's going to find us out. So I did that. I'm brokering information, but I'm taking cash for these people's information that I'm trading. I'm actually trading it. And sometimes I still would get a whole crate of shit because it's just too good to be true. Twenty four thousand dollar crate. I turn around and sell it. For 37 and then the person who gets it can still make their money off of it. If I didn't give it to my one particular Asian guy, which sold in volume, he told me for sure. But another guy, he told me that he would break it down and sell it. and He can make almost double his money. So I knew it was a deal. I knew I was in, on the right lane and I thought I wasn't taking a lot of risks because I'm not dealing drugs. I'm like, um. I'm tired of that drug shit. I don't want to go back into it. It's not for me. I took a substantial amount of money out of that where I came back and I wasn't struggling. I'm able to help my family. I mean, again, a lot of people think all I have to do is one scam and I'm going to get rich. But that's a lie. You will not get rich off of one scam. What it does is it draws you into it and you become a fraudster. So don't think like um, I can do that, too. Like um, even what you did. It's, it's it's about like 17 more people in the United States that can do that on the level that you did. I don't believe that a person will have the mental capacity to even be disciplined enough to go through all of the chains and the links that you went to to make your situation what it was. Because it was millions and millions of dollars created when one person might lie on the application just to get $4,000. You lied on the application trying to get a micro loan that the bank still caught on to because you're just not putting enough energy into what you want to do. So I put the energy into some shit to get the best return. That's what I'm pretty much just trying to say. So I realized putting energy into drug shit and illicit activity, it just always still only ends like with part of partial satisfaction, like only some fulfillment. So here we are. We trade in Bitcoin. I'm exchanging it with him for uh, any type of uh, uh, merchandise or inform or information. Sometimes he's like, hey, can you fly to New York? And I was like, oh, I don't really want to fly to New York, man. He's like, somebody needs 25000 in New York. I swear I'll make it worth it. I'm like, I don't want to fly across the country with no 25000 You tell them to come to me, and then we end up resolving it and settling it, and they'll end up probably coming to meet me, or we could just like – and that would be for – them to convert it into Bitcoin without having to um, go through all these other channels of exchangers that require all your personal information. Because when the government, when people got hip to it, they start wanting to know if you had an ID to upload and stuff like that. So now I'm hustling. I'm doing that. And, and, and it's actually going good. I made good money from that. I was able to save money, you know, get a house, get everything that I needed. But. Still not happy about it. Wanted more. Wanted more. Wanted more. Wanted more. So I put my own crew together. 
my own crew together and instead of selling the information i told them you guys take this information do what you got to do with it but i want 50 percent of everything you get which was still a lot more than the information was worth so we did this for about a year but i didn't really have to um go chasing the money myself i didn't have to because what, three about four people would do it for me well with me they didn't do it for me they did it with me because if we ever had ran into a situation well we're equal partners you don't work for me i'm not your boss you don't have to report to me even if you decide to quit today you can walk away and i will not even be mad at you for one minute so um it, it was going cool, but I still realized I had to do something else like this wasn't going to be enough. So we start doing concert promoting, promoting parties, doing stuff like that. That was kind of a cash business was do, uh, getting little venues and stuff. I um, linked up with a promoter that was experienced and he had resources to a lot of big artists and, and well, more mid-level artists because I didn't want to go too big. We wanted to see how the events went first. And we did that and made a little bit of money and I was able to maintain a bank account, and maintain you know, some legitimate money coming in, but it was never enough to just move the needle. So I did always like my gray area, red area stuff. I always liked that until this one guy came into my life. He came back into my life. Like I said, I knew him for a long time and he just kept asking me for work. He's asking me for work. He's like, yo, I need some work. And I was like, oh, no, nah, we're not on that right now. You don't have to worry about that. And he gets asked me over and over to a point where I was even getting irritated like bro we're making good money doing this we don't need that no more so he's asking me about some product and he's telling me uh he has some guys from another state that's willing to even pay more for it and how much we can make on it but I just didn't want to get involved with it because I'm like man this is the type of stuff that brings people down man and whenever I was doing that shit I always was having mishaps and missteps this right here is indirect and and why aren't you is this like is this uh coke or crack is this no this is just coke the just crack coke. Okay. the crack to me uh we we were past that okay. it was just like get him some good powder coke let them get it and then we move him right on and we still focused right. on this so i don't i don't want to do it i'm steadily telling him no right. i'm not getting involved but he's not taking no for an answer and so i, I start testing him well how much did you make last week he said i made about 10 or 12 grand and i'm like but you still want to do a play for some dudes from he's like well, yeah but they be with my cousin man, and i know them and it can lead to something else but i just was not showing any interest in it and then finally one day he asked me about 2011, 2011, he was like, hey, man, look, man, they're coming out here, man. My guy is here, bro. He a fly dude, man. He cool. I know him good. DEA. Right. I was like, well, I'm not doing it. I don't want nothing else to do with it, but I'll make a call. Making the call was the worst thing I ever did, man. That right there put me right in the middle of a federal indictment, and I didn't even know. So I'm running around. I'm partying. I'm traveling. Mind you, I'm having a good month, a good year. My last few years, I, I became a millionaire again. So I became a millionaire for the first time in my life at about 21, 21, 22. I was having almost 1.5 million, including money that I used to cop with. Lost 70 percent of that over the time. I lost about 70 percent of that before I turned 30. So when I came out of state prison right around 30 I started something completely different and was able to do the same thing again, starting from where I was at. All of the losses, all the mishaps, all of the thieves, all of the vultures. I was able to run it up again, making 30, 50, 70 K in a month. So a lot of people think you're going to become a millionaire by making 500,000 in one year, 300. That's not how it really goes. You first have to start making 20 K a month. 
50K a month, 70K a month, and then you can accumulate it like that if you're disciplined because you got to think. And I'm sure you know this too. You can give a fool any amount of money they think they're supposed to have, they'll blow it all. Mm-hmm. And um, when Jim Rohn said, uh, you can put the money in the hands of everybody who thinks they're supposed to have it, and they'll give it right back to the people who are really supposed yeah. to have it. Yeah, if you took, if you took the 95% of the wealth that is accumulated in, in the upper 5% of society, and you redistributed it equally mm-hmm. within three years, the 5% of of the society will have will have all that 95 percent of that money again yes and it's a true story how i know that's true because all of the hustlers that i knew if they were selling crack on the corner or if they make it up to selling weight 95 percent of them only do it for survival or image because i go check them how much money you hold man i need 50 i need 70 i have a big play up for for 70 and they can't come up with 70 grand Wait a minute. You mean you hustle every day and you can't come up with 70 grand? I'm going to put in 130. You put in 70. We're going to make 354, but I'll split it with you evenly and then they won't have it. The same thing with the uh, scamming and the fraud. Most fraudsters are only doing it until they get the next play. They're doing it like um all that They're getting it to pay their rent and then they goof off for they two goof weeks. Off. And then they sca- then they then they suddenly um freak out and 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 they're they're scattering around trying to get together their rent again. Like, yep, that's exactly how it goes. Exactly. How it goes. So they're doing it for survival and then the PPP, the EDD, all of that government surplus money showed you that that all of these people that got an extra 50, 70, 100k, they weren't supposed to have it. They're back borrowing payday loans. They're back trying to find a job at Walmart or do whatever they can to make some extra money. So what happened was um, I decided to give him a phone number for someone who can get him that cocaine. This is not my original plug because my original plug got out of the game. Mind you, when I got out of prison from the state, he made sure I was straight. He bought me a car and he gave me a small bag of money. It wasn't nothing serious, close to like 15K but in a, in a car, I think it was a um a 2008 GTO 6.0 liter, about a year old, year and a half old. He gave that to me, didn't say nothing about it. Actually asked somebody to bring it to me. I was really happy about that. And it was just like, thank you for not giving me up. Like, thank you. Oh, my God. Like, because, I mean, I'm sure he probably thought I would want to get out of a 20-year sentence. But I didn't get the 20 years. But he heard about it and he kept up with it that I'm facing 20 years. Right. Most people roll over. So I gave him the number for the cocaine deal. Didn't hear nothing else about it. He did it. He took it to his guy. It's over with. We back to the fraud. We we're really like, um, hey, I got somebody need a hundred. I got somebody need two hundred. Like, and it, I'm talking about like um, profiles or whatever their information is required to do. Like, people would go apply for instant credits. They would go uh, download and do a, take a card in there that only punches into the system. It, it was so a multitude of things you can do with this information. But I'm getting the information from somebody in another country. I don't mind selling it for a handsome profit. I mean, whatever. Five or six months later, here he comes again, asking me again. This time, I'm like, no. So uh, it's non-negotiable this time. I'm like, nah, man, I'm just not doing it. I'm not focused on it. I'm not taking out of my time to make $3,000 to hook this guy up. Tell him to go somewhere else, bro. You know a lot of other people. Unbeknownst to me, he's already working for the federal government. He's on their team for sure. I didn't even know this. There's no way I could have known this. But he got in trouble and he took the deal that let him right back out. But they wanted something a lot more serious than whatever he was able to uh, provide them, which was me. 
So he we having these conversations and he's coming up. He's like, bro, how much does that Bentley cost? How much do you pay for that Bentley, man? You uh you bought this Bentley. It's a two thousand. That's a late model, man. You got that when it was less than a year old. And I'm like, well, come on, bro. You already know the story about that. I didn't buy that shit. I told him, you know, um, I told him the story thinking it's just me and him. I said, Jay lost some money on the road and he needed the money he needed 80k i gave him 80k and i paid off the balance basically so he can get back in the game you knew that already why are you asking me this again he's like nah nah man because i'm just saying bro you're the only one with this car man the only other person with this car in our city he's a rapper and you you living like him bro you must be making a lot more money now you sure you ain't doing that selling that coke on the side because the shit we well, doing boosting you up making you look bigger and bigger making and bigger. me and you know what male ego are doing like making you look like it definitely letting these guys know this guy's in the game he knows other people he fronts people money he mm -hmm. so i'm like yeah you know what i did for that car and, and that's how i got it but who cares about that you got a new mercedes benz He's like yeah but it ain't like yours and you got your girl arranged bro bro you rolling man how much money you been holding i'm like come on man you tripping man we ain't on that for anyway let's focus on what we doing right here so he's, he wants more coke though he's like hey can you get um anything heavy and i'm like no so about another three months later here he comes again my boy is coming out here and they want five birds. And I'm like, five? He's like, yeah, they want five and they got the money. They bring the cash. I'm on wiretap caught saying, well, if they have the cash, they're going to have to bring you the cash first. Me and you are going to count it. I'm going to take it to the connect. He's going to count it. And then somebody else will double back down a few hours later and drop the shit somewhere else. And then we walk away. I don't want to be in the same place with the dope. And I'm not getting involved with this. He said, but we can make it happen, right? And I said, yes, on a fucking wiretap. It was over for me right then and there. Everything's going cool. Everything going smooth. I'm thinking my life is on top of the world. I got access to money. I'm traveling. I mean, back and forth to Miami, man, we just, I mean, my, my life is amazing as far as I'm concerned. I'm like, wow, man, I mean, being a millionaire is not that bad, but I still want more. Like, it's no number. In my mind, I always thought having a million dollars would make me quit the game. It never would. When I was 16 years old, my whole goal was to get a kilo. When I was 18 years old, all I wanted was 100000 in cash. Neither one of those things, once I accomplished them, were a thing to make me fall back. It only made me go harder. So I know a lot of people that don't have money, they'll tell themselves, like, all I have to do is get my first 30 k and it's going to change my life forever. No, it won't. All you're going to do is find something to spend it on, which is going to make you go harder and it'll lock you into whatever it is you're doing whether you're working whether you're hustling whether you scam wh whatever it is it's only going to put you in a position to have to keep going because it's not the end all be all right so here these guys come allegedly he's calling me trying to line up this deal and i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm leery because at the time some light bulb went off in my head because my girl at the time said that um babe you know what man i didn't like how your friend popped up at the restaurant we were eating at that night coincidentally and you didn't even tell him we was coming there he popped up there and it just didn't feel right I don't, I don't know i mean sometimes i feel like he competes with you and i feel like he's a little jealous of you i told her shut the fuck up don't question my friends where were you at when i was in prison i met you when i got out and i don't want to hear your mouth almost brought her to tears but she was right Mm. This motherfucker was a f paid informant, not just an informant, a paid informant. Even worse to me, you getting money from the government, you asshole. My lawyer showed job. my lawyer showed me in the paperwork 
This motherfucker, She's like a police officer. This motherfucker told the DEA agents, "I'm tired of chasing this dude around, calling him over and over. He seems like he don't want to do it. Give me more money for a rental, and I need an extra thousand dollars." DEA agent says, "No, you're not getting that. We'll give you four or five hundred, and we'll pay for your rental car throughout the whole investigation." I, I almost cried, bro, because this dude making a deal with the government to line me up, man. I fed you off my plate. When you got out of federal prison, motherfucker, I fed you. I made sure you had money. You asked me what I was having going on. I put you into my mix. I came at you with whatever you wanted. You didn't need no clothes when you came out. I He's like, I heard you been out here winning. Yeah, now you winning too. That was my attitude. If I'm winning, you're winning. We know where each other live, man. I know your whole family. I know your grandmother, man. We're all winning together, not just me. You know how I do it. It's not me. It's us. So uh, DEA, he's working for the DEA. And um, man, I'm about to do the deal, but my way. Bring the money first. I'm over at a bar, a nice bar. I think it was a new bar. Grand open. A lot of women there. We're having a good time. And I get the call. The call was a person who I trust dearly. And he was telling me, hey, that deal that you're going tomorrow, he says, uh, that deal that you're going to do tomorrow, don't do it. You're already indicted. They have enough information already that they're going to arrest you. But that deal tomorrow will be the will be the uh, one that sinks the ship. I said, what deal? He said, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Don't do it. It's all bad. The cake is already baked, man, and you're done. And he hung up. I walked back in the bar. I think I took down my shot of that I was drinking, but my skin was noticeably flush. People were asking me what's going on. I was kind of lightheaded, kind of flaming and burning sensation through my body. I said, I got to get out of here. And he's like, why? Why was I got to get out of here? I just got some bad news. Did, did you think, for, was it so, was the call so vague that you thought maybe the guy's full of shit? Or did you 100% know this guy knows something's happening? He's absolutely on point. I know that he knows. I or know. Were you, or were you like, no, I knew that he knew because the person who said this to me was a person that told me when I got out of state prison, stop selling drugs, bro. You're smarter and you're better than that. This is not a, a lane for you to be in. So I never told them that I was even back dibbling, dabbling. Mind you, this is the only deal I made. No one else. People stop asking. So I was in, in East Oakland in the ghetto, in the hood. I'm known as a coke dealer. Right. You ask anybody about me that knows me, they'd be like, oh, that dude sells all kind of coke. That dude, he's one of them ones. I backed all the way away from it completely. So it's no deals being done. So for somebody, anybody to call me and ask me about a coke deal that's about to go down, told me right there, I only talked to this motherfucker about that deal. Because I don't want nobody to know about it, man. Because if I do that, more people will start asking me and it will draw me back in. And now that's a full-time job. The phone don't stop ringing. That, that drug... If you get in certain circles, you got people that want to buy a half a kilo for a party. They want to buy. They, they, they really got money, man. And these people won't meet you, but they'll send somebody in like, who are these people that want to pay seventy five hundred because they're having a party all weekend and they want all of their guests to be happy. But you got people like that that won't stop coming. And here it is. They, why, why do um, what was the joke I heard on Halloween? He says, uh, why do black people always go to white neighborhoods to trick or treat? Because they had a best, no, the same reason why white people go to black neighborhoods to buy their drugs, because they have the best stuff. So these people will come and get the cocaine from us, knowing that they can take it back and be stars with the people, whoever they like, um, 
go back to like celebrity suppliers are wealthy. They're not just rich. If you supply celebrities, you probably wealthy because they don't they it's a minimum they have to spend right so i just didn't want to go back into that i said no and no meant no so this call was was telling because nobody else knew this so once i left there i was like let me get rid of the phone let me not do it but i'm like well if he says it's already bad let me just see what this dude says when he calls tomorrow so he called and he was like yeah um i'm ready Let, let's put it together man my people are here we're all waiting for you I was like, all right, cool. I just threw the phone out after that. I never showed up, never answered for him. That was the last time I talked to him. I knew it was true. I had I had some people in position. I said, go by the house. Go by the house on Mountain Boulevard. Go by the house in Hayward. Just drive by. Just drive by and see what you see. They drove by the two little spots that I used. And he said, yeah, surveillance team's there. It's true. The surveillance team's there. Just just don't go back. So at this time, knowing people involved in fraud, I was able to get multiple fake identities. I jumped on a plane under an assumed identity that I had been holding on to in case of an emergency. And I went to Miami. I got a hotel room. I stayed there for about uh, about, about two weeks. I stayed there for two weeks. And I'm like, wait a minute. They already got me. The dude already told me they already got me. I, once I met up with him and he told me where the information came from and how he got it. And this girl, she wanted to be compensated for this information. I was already it was a done deal. I mean, she they pretty much saved me because that deal for five thousand grams would get me. Hundred and eighty months to two forty one eighty to two forty. That. It's no way around it. The guidelines, the point system is just no way. If you do over over a certain amount of grams of, of, of uh, that product, that cocaine, it, they, they don't even want to hear it, man. You're a high level dealer. So the fact that I didn't do it, it helped me out. It might have saved the day for me, but I was already indicted. It was true, but they didn't come for me right away. So I come back home and I start back living a normal life. Just had my girlfriend move. I moved. Somebody else moved all of my stuff out of that place. And I just roamed around freely and stayed away from police contact for almost two years a year and a half about a year and a half without coming in contact with them at all but i still had to make money try to get all my fares organized but in the meantime that's expensive take care of the family can't move completely freely but i'm able to move enough where people know that he's not doing bad but i don't know if he's going at the magnitude uh that that he was going at before and this is around the same time where my entire neighborhood where i came from where i used to deal drugs in everybody in that neighborhood got indicted at the same time like 31 people and they have my name all throughout the indictment as being a part of them but never any deals Mind you, I backed away from the drugs, right. but they had me on a couple wiretaps telling people that I can get them information uh, uh, that they can go uh, that they can go hit with. Like I had the best list, the best bin list. I had the best um, personal information, like starting at two thousand dollars. Start the order started. Two, they had me on a wiretap saying that, but the government didn't care. They knew they had me on a separate indictment already and, and that they would get me eventually. Right. So I didn't get caught up in a big indictment that all of my friends got caught up on because I wasn't hustling. And with their, drug, their drug case is a slam dunk. And they their drug case, got, yeah. they got me on a slam dunk, but that case was a gang slash drug case that I was affiliated with those guys, but I didn't 
participate directly with any of those guys with these crimes that they were committing. Right. They were still outside hustling, dealing these drugs. I didn't participate in none of that. So to see my name in that, I'm like, well, maybe I'm in the clear. I started having a little more optimistic outlook, but it was just a matter of time before they would run up on me and, and you know, and actually take me down. So here it is. Um, I'm driving around. This this lady that I know, man, she was helping me out a lot. She was going in stores and she was like making accounts, opening instant accounts. She was doing a bunch of stuff where we kind of like were, we, we, we did cool. I mean, three to five K a week. But she goes to jail uh, inside Bloomingdale's for having um uh, fraudulent ID and fraudulent um, um profile. She had the whole profile in her purse. She goes to jail. So she's in jail. Call me from jail. And I'm like, uh. I'm like, uh, okay, I'll go. I'll be there. Don't worry about. It. I'll bail you out in the morning. Don't worry. Just, I leave my house, condo at the time, like a townhouse condo in a good area, a new townhouse that I felt like they never knew I had, and never knew how to find me there. How they found me is the lady that I was dating. They had surveillance on her too, right. so her moving never changed anything. They just found out where she lived and knew that I would come not not it wouldn't take long for me to come there so at four in the morning he said he slept there all night and i got up that morning at like seven thirty to go to the bail bonds place and this plane car followed me the whole time he's behind me again i'm like this car must be following me so i'm gonna get off the freeway i got off the freeway got gas the car was gone so i'm like okay i'm in the clear i thought i was tripping maybe he wasn't following me get on the freeway whole nother car is behind me but I don't trip on there. I'm like, uh, they, I don't know. Maybe they're doing something else. I ain't doing shit anyway. I'm not hustling. They, what the fuck do they want with me? I pull up in the front of the bail bonds place and an Oakland police officer pulls me over. Mind you, I know this cop. I jump out the car and I'm like, man, what the fuck you want, man? What are you pulling me over for? I got to go in here and bail somebody out, man. He's like, get back in the car, man. It's not, it's not good this time. It's not good. I get back in the car, the SUV in the same car come block me in. It's the U.S. Marshals. They're like, hey, what's up, Mr. Brown? We got you, huh? I said, nah, you got the wrong person. Don't talk to me like that. You don't know me. Right. He said, we know everything <laughs> about you, man. We spent the night at your girlfriend's house today, last night, and, and that's how we knew you, were, you know, we knew where right. you were. I looked at him, and he had the look in the eyes like, don't try anything. Just get back in the car. So they searched the car. He said, you got a gun on you? I'm like, nah, I don't have a gun on me. They searched the car anyway. Take this car to x-ray, put me in the car, but before they could... Remember I said earlier in the story about an officer that I high-speed chase with and I ran over the freeway to get yeah, away yeah. from him and I left. He pulls up to the scene. He said, I bet you won't be running across no freeways today. They told me everything you did and you probably get about 15 years, 12 to 15 on this one with your criminal history. And he just told me, fuck you, gave me a middle finger, slammed the door and walked away. Now I'm in trouble, but I'm like, damn, what is this for? What is this for? And they take me into the interrogation room and explained it all to me. Year and a half ago, man, you sold some cocaine to somebody, right? I'm like, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't. And they showed me everything, played a little bit of the tape, and asked me, so what you want to do? Do you want to do what your friend is doing and work with us, or are you going to be a hard ass? I said, man, you got the wrong person. I don't know what you're talking about, man. It's no way I can walk out of here right now. You're talking about some drug thing. And he asked me, who told you that we were coming for you? I said, I don't know what the fuck you talking about. You got the wrong person, man. Take me to my cell. So they take me to my cell. Now, once I read the charges, it pops up in my head. It's him. Nobody's going to believe me. I have to let people know it's him. It's no, it's no way in the world that this guy, he knows everybody that I know. He's in the game. 
they need like people need to know to not deal with this guy if this if this is what kind of hype he's on people need to know to not deal with this fool so um they get me in there they book me they read me these charges myself against the government and i panicked man i just was like man i'm probably not coming out soon i told my girl that she can go told my kids i wouldn't be seeing them for a long time they tell me that the mandatory minimum is 120 months man in 85 percent which which i'm like oh my god i'm gonna be so old when i get out of here man but with enhancements in the criminal history they told me that man you, you probably won't be getting out for a long while man so i mean be be prepared and you don't want to work with us so i mean there it is but of course you're never supposed to listen to the agents and the cops you have to talk to lawyers right you know what i'm saying they don't know anything the cops can't help you out man all they want to do is get somebody like we know you have a person that can get this much weight we want him just get out you can make it you can do what you do for another couple years i mean if you get any time it'll be under five years man and we'll make sure you're straight we just want you to come over here and help us out it's an absolute no for me. It's no thinking about it. We don't have anything else to talk about. Just let's get this ball rolling. So what I did was I um prepared myself mentally for knowing I'm going to do a lot of time. So, you know, like paid attorneys don't necessarily matter in the federal federal judicial system because it's kind of like the guidelines if you, it are the guidelines. And if you're not cooperating, they pretty much hardly give downward departures. What, what it, do you it, I, what okay? What I think is, if you were, let's say, you were questionable if you were innocent, mm-hmm. and you were, could go to trial, mm-hmm. then a, a paid lawyer probably does help. But in your situation, mm-hmm. you're going to plead guilty. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't see that a paid lawyer is going to make much. Like if you're already going to say, "What's the best deal I can get?" because you can't go to trial, then mm-hmm. yeah, there's no reason to pay a lawyer. No, nope. he's not going to help you any. Like you know, what well, I'm going to give you fifty grand. I'm still going to get. You're still getting the minimum mandatory, no you're matter still what. Getting the minimum mandatory. That's the best you can do. Mm-hmm. And you're and you with your criminal history, you're probably already over the minimum mandatory. And I was, and I so, was pretty much because and I don't see that a paid lawyer can help you. Mm-hmm. So I, I, we reached out to a couple of them, and 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 and, I, and just just be straight up with me. Anybody with me, if I like it or not, be straight up with me. Don't coddle me. Don't bullshit me or pull my leg. So he comes to visit me. I tell him everything. He looks at the case, listens to the tape, sees the evidence. Give me. He said, "You don't need me." I charge seventy five thousand, but with what they have here, you only want the best deal possible, man. Your guy knows you very well. Oh, he describes you so good, man. The little retainer that you gave us—that's I can give it back to your family. You're probably gonna need it, man. You're going to prison for a while. I'm like, mama, I, I call my mom, <laughs> mama. <laughs> he said I'm going to prison for a while, man. He read the paperwork, man. He said he won't even take my money. He, she said, well, you know. At least he was honest because there's a bunch of them out there that would have took your money, mm-hmm. had you sign up for that 75000 knowing they would still get you the exact same amount of time. So the mandatory minimum was 10. I didn't do the big the, the big drug transaction they wanted me to. How I ended up with the 84 months was the judge saw something that the U.S. attorney overlooked and my attorney overlooked. And she said, wait a minute, one of these prior convictions that you guys are charging him with was when he was 18 years old and that's past 15 years we can't use that that dropped my guideline points level down enough where instead of 120 i played to 84 months and still I'm, because of your criminal history still because of my criminal history because without that it could have been 60 months yeah, because the, the deal that i actually did was 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 for like a half you know a half say, isn't one. there a minimum mandatory or, or wouldn't it so uh, yeah is there a minimum mandatory a mandatory minimum after the one twenty? Is it like five? 
Is which will put up to five? 180. Right. Okay. Well, that'd be 60 months, but that plus your criminal history points is what got you to, to the 84. To the 84, yeah. Okay. That's what got me to the 84 months. No downward departures. No. It's just she calculated it. And you're like, oh, yeah, wow. He did. That was when he was around 18 years old. Yeah, you're right. It was over 15 years ago. Yeah, there's it's no way we can use that. It's no way we can use that. So Your lawyer should have caught that. He should have. But, again, this is now I'm on a... Uh, what do you call it? A, a, a court appointed, but it's a real, uh, real law firm. But it's like they got so many of these cases. And this is right around the time when Shrimp Boy, this crime boss, along with the city council members, they all got indicted around the same time. So my case became small compared That's with the corrupt that. government. I know who you're talking about. Shrimp, Shrimp Boy. Boy. Yeah. yeah, man. He was there. He came in there right while I was there. The Chinese. Right? Chinese mob boss. All those. Yeah. Big story about yeah, yeah. him, man. He made international nation nationwide news so they wanted to get my case out the way i pled guilty send me up the road i'll be back but this is why that's changed my life because federal prison is completely different i get in there i go to the medium immediately sis come sees me they're like look you're going out there on the yard man if your paperwork's not good tell us now we'll put you in a shoe We'll let those these guys will never see you and we can ship you somewhere to a whole another state because as soon as you get there, as soon as you go out there, they're going to want to know what's up with you, man. He says, uh, ask me a couple names of the guys that was running the yard that had the keys. And I'm like, I know them. He's like, you know them? He's like, all right, well, they're, they're back there and they're still going to want to do the check. So I get there, told them that um, pretty much my paperwork was going to um, be here shortly and everything, you know, everything was coming and it would check out. They said, man, we already knew you was coming. We had got pretty word, pretty much got word that you was coming and we know your case already because it's a thing that people don't know where people can just put you in a PACER system and pay the money and they can order all your public transcripts because it's, I mean, it might cost a hundred bucks, but if you really want to know something about a person, you can get that easily being that, uh, asking a person to see their paperwork, they can just leave some pages off or they can even make it up themselves and have somebody type it up themselves and just give you whatever they want, want you, you know, whatever you want them to see, whatever they want you to see, like judgment commitments. I saw all of those being altered while I was down. So um, I got in there, hooked up with my guys, got with the crew. They kind of was telling me how things um was going but they had some key questions like you plan on hitting here because the way we do it is the way we do it if you plan on hitting then let us know that means bringing in any contraband having some visits are you gonna get any visits i said yeah i plan to get some visits he's like well uh let us know before you do so we can let you know how i kind of kind of go because we already running our own program here you know the rules man stay away from the woods the south siders don't be intermingling gambling mixing messing with no homosexuals you, i said man come on man i know that man i know the script he's like we just got to tell you that way if we ever catch you doing that it's no pass is here we at this medium it's um in herlong california man a newer medium in the middle of nowhere so they was running a pretty tight ship there like kind of like no cross mingling but i knew i didn't want nothing to do with that i didn't plan on hitting i didn't want no parts of that man at this point i'm almost kind of feeling defeated like everything i've done only led to this meaning I'm not a great decision maker like I thought I was. I'm really questioning myself looking around at that yard with these guards and they tripping and a riot might happen any given day, man. But uh, here it is. I'm here already, so I might as well program. It's hard to get a job, find a job in a wreck, see the most in you see the most terrible shit on that wreck yard, man. People unburying weapons, knives, just just, just whatever comes with that, man, at this medium, man. But, I mean, I guess you get used to it. Like I said, I was desensitized at a young age to people getting harmed, hurt, 
even killed like it didn't really matter that much but still you don't choose to see that but you know um mainly there was people dealing with their own kind like if you slip through the cracks and they find out you did some crazy stuff then they'll kind of get with you themselves and i didn't have to worry about that because i chose different like i'm like i'm gonna do something different i'm not gonna hang with dudes that's planning to do better crimes i'm not gonna go around people who are you know carrying on these same conversations and want me to tell these prison war stories i'm just not into that right now so i did everything that people didn't want to do start hanging around people i can learn from so i only got around people that i can learn from and um i guess that was a way to kill time for me but not without incident because here it is when a riot comes or if it's mandatory yard you have to show up so it was several occasions where i was like okay here it go i'm about to blow all my time here it is we got to go at it with the Southsiders. it's about to go up right now because the rule is over there is that uh the Southsiders don't have one-on-one fights with the blacks or with nobody they're only supposed to discipline their own people so it's an altercation between a black and the Southsider. now the whole yard is going up and we're all about to have to jump because this one little incident so what I did was uh, it was a few occasions when I almost, you know, a riot or a jump off happened. And then it's like if you in it, you in it. It's no turning back. They expect you to go hard with that. But what I did is kind of like I was just kind of I didn't run from it. But you said I have to go to the bathroom, you guys. I'll be back in a minute. No, nah, I didn't <laughs> run to no bathroom either. It's just kind of like being there alone. Don't visit. make you getting don't make you guilty. <laughs> and then sometimes if you do have a visit, you you had a couple dudes that tell you, man, we finna pop off at, at, at yard time, stay in the building. But what I could do is kind of like be ready, but stay back. Like well, the one time I was like, OK, I'm gonna stay back. But if somebody if somebody, you know, what I'm saying like the incident is all the way across the yard and shit like that. By the time I run over there, you got the guards with the big fire extinguisher pepper spray spraying the whole group of people and they're screaming get on the ground and get on the ground get on the ground so it's like not much i could do to avoid it but i didn't duck it i never ducked it per se however i just didn't run to it like some dudes will tell you they ran to every riot and every incident man you well you should be dead because those people are stabbing and killing and cutting necks off if you ran to every single incident but i didn't necessarily do that but uh the did, thing that, did you ever hear uh, uh, Zach, my buddy Zach's story about being in uh, where he he was uh, he was a member of the Florida car? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he, do you remember talking? About, they called them all, all these guys. There's like fucking ten of them in a room in mm-hmm. somebody's cell, like the the shot caller. They call him in there, and he's mm-hmm. like brings them all in there, and he's like, "Listen, man, we these motherfuckers that disrespected us. You, you heard this? I never heard this one. So, he, so he, Zach's like, you know." You've seen Zach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen Zach. Yeah. So you know they call Zach uh, on in the in Coleman. They were uh, you know these the black guys would call him uh, Oreo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I And so he's he's in there and he's like he's like like I'm I'm concerned. You know these guys like they're I'm like look you guys I don't I don't I don't I don't have a shank. I don't they like, we, we we're gonna get you one. We're gonna get, we'll get you, you one. one. He's like oh man. He's like I'm I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. He said like and the guy the guy the shot caller like listen man tomorrow we're gonna go out there we we're gonna face these motherfuckers we got this they ain't disrespecting us we're a Florida car we're and they go he's going he's like they're all like, they're, we're going to war and they're all like yeah man yeah yeah and Zach out of nowhere just goes um excuse me. And they're like, yeah, what's up, man? He goes, well, why are we going to war? And the guy goes, man, the motherfuckers, they, they disrespected my boy. He goes, who, who's, who's your boy? You know, my boy. And he goes, you, you mean the, the punk? 
yeah you used to be with hmm. your old cellie and you he's kind of like you're you used to be with. yeah man they disrespected him somebody tried him he's like well, he's like we're gonna, we're gonna show these motherfuckers they can't just can't just talk to us like nothing nobody and he goes yeah, listen, man, I don't want to. I don't want to go to war over a homosexual. I'm oh sorry. wow! <laughs> and he said, literally, all the other guys immediately were like, "Yeah, bro, I don't. Um, no, no, I'm not. We're no, no we're not. We're not with, with that. that. We're not." And with he's that. like, and he said, so when the guy got like guy upset, he kind of you know wandered. It broke up, and he said when they broke up, like guys were like, "Man, thank God you. I didn't even think to ask why. Like, thank God you just said ready something. to go for no reason. Yeah, yeah, not even looking into it or asking. Cause of course, you know, you're not really supposed to ask. You're mm-hmm. just like supposed to be a soldier, but. That's hilarious. When Zach tells that story, bro, I, I, I don't think I caught it, but, uh, you, but I'll send you. It, I'll send you the short. It may. It makes sense because they will take you down for anything. Because I mean, a pan of fish is what we almost went to war over in a medium. A pan of fish. Who was supposed to get the fish? It was mine's, not yours. They sell for three stamps a piece, and you took my fish, man. And they were, they came to the dorm and told all doing? of us. Yeah. Report to the kitchen ASAP. I'm like, it's fish day. I never go to dinner on fish day. Well, get your ass up out there right now. They're waiting for you. So everybody black has to go. We get up. We put on our jackets. Everybody's, you know, kind of in combat mode. We get in the kitchen. And right before everything kicks off, the CO that probably was one of the coolest ones on the yard came in and just like, man, don't do this. Look, y'all, this is going to go completely bad. Let's try something different. It has to be a better way, man. And then he just calls for backup. Every everything, every resource, come to the kitchen right now. Come to the kitchen right now. They all run in there, take us all down, and we all get like because it's still inciting the riot. If, yeah. if it's still a, 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 a um an issue. So they come raid our cell. Come to find out, my celly was seen on camera with weapons. They came in my cell. They raided my cell. Cuffed us both up. Find them. They found about, found two of them, two bangers in our cell. My cellie said, that's not his, it's mine's. Oh. I had them both. And one of them, Lieutenant said, the I, shoe? I didn't go to the shoe. He said that, and he said, I seen him on camera with it. Okay. He ain't lying. He said, I never, never even saw this guy before. I'm talking about me. I yeah. never even saw him before. This dude saying right here in front of us that they're his, not his cellies. Book him. They booked him, took him away. I never saw him again. I mean, they shipped him, of course, but he could have not said nothing. Yeah. And we both would have been booked. But on cameras, it's cameras everywhere at the medium. They clearly saw him with it because he takes it out at the time and he's like ready for anybody that runs our way to just start dancing with it. And And I mean, you know. I, I was like, damn, I, that was kind of close. But ultimately, right after that, though, I ended up getting transferred to the low. I get transferred to a low, which is much different than going to a medium. At the low, it's kind of like almost becoming um, a, 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 a college college like a like a like a rough high school a rough high school a rough high school man because you run into so many different characters from so many walks of life i get there they're telling me um well if you don't like chomos and if you don't like informants man we can put you right back on the bus to the medium man because we're not going to have any of that bullshit that happens at the medium here we run this thing our way and either you get with it or you don't so i was at lompoc low but when i get there it's like um like I know everybody there, and I'm like, wow, wait, this is what's going on here, man? It's just free, no unlocks, and we can move back and forth all throughout the day. So I appreciated that, but that's when I really start going into um these ACE classes and learning from people that knew things that I didn't know. So what I did was— You, you got better— you got a better quality of inmate at the low too, right? Definitely sharper, guy. much Some sharper. Sharp guys at the medium, mm-hmm. but nothing like the low. 
Yeah, right. I think I heard something on your platform one time that most of the hardened criminals are at those mediums, the yeah. ones that have killed, that will kill. You don't make it to the low when you're super hardcore because you're never going to comply with any rules and regulations. Right. And before they send you to the low, you're going to catch another shot. You, you have to behave for a you while. You have to behave. You, you keep catching shots, you'll never make it to the low, which right. a lot of guys do because they like, I like my cell. I'm not going to do dorm living, and I don't want to be around certain individuals that we know we can't check paperwork. We know we can't regulate like we do here. But at, at least— least at the at the low like you've got you got sharp guys you got guys that have you know owned banks they've owned financial institutions they've owned they're lawyers they're Mm -hmm. doctors they're we had like two or three guys that had worked at nasa see you know we had sharp sharp guys i'm gonna tell you what the nasa guys charges were for for. but regardless they were still smart guys still um Mm -hmm. you know like i mean you had people that you're like like you can you definitely this is a knowledgeable person that can teach you something you don't get a lot of those at the medium you don't get a lot of those at the medium the ace classes are way are much just really watered down and teaching basic stuff like at the medium i found myself helping guys prepare for the ged test i found my guys like a lot of grown men in prison have basic reading skills like third grade level Mm -hmm. which i didn't know for sure because even if you never go to school you can pick up a book and teach yourself how to read but i found myself helping people with that but once i get to the low it was time for me to shut up and listen like these guys have so much knowledge on real estate they have knowledge on building businesses it was a guy there that actually helped unicor launch their coffee he worked at Unicor. He helped them launch their Unicor coffee brand, source it, bag it, price it, kept the invoice. He like literally was such a great businessman from starting companies that became worth over a hundred million that and he was exactly who he say he was. His family would come visit him in Rolls Royces and brand new Mercedes Bentleys, everything. And that's just to say that he didn't lose everything when he went down, but he lost his time freedom. Like he only made it to the low because he his time dropped. His time drop. He was like a 20 year guy. He stole millions or allegedly, allegedly, because I didn't check his paperwork. He was a white guy. But for him to help them build a coffee business over there at that prison where instead of Keefe or what Maxwell House, what we used to buy. Yeah. Now they put the unicorn bags at two dollars and thirty five percent becomes the best seller on the commissary. And they used him, paid him, what, two hundred bucks a month while they're making. But I mean, honestly, that was probably like that. To, to, that probably passed his time. I, I got to, you know what I'm saying? Like some people, like, why would you do that? But he probably had a blast doing it. Like yes. it, you get to build something. It doesn't matter about the money because the money doesn't mean anything. No, I didn't mean that. It, it's, it's building this whole mm-hmm. thing. And, and they realized that he knew what the hell was going on because he looking at how much they're buying the coffee from from the vendors mm-hmm. and what they're making, what they're selling it for. And he's like, wait, why aren't we? Well, we don't know how. And he's again start sourcing it bringing it bagging it packaging at the facility and now it's on the commissary on all the west coast i mean i don't know what happened on the east coast but in the west coast they were all selling unicor coffee now Mm. instead of that uh keefe keefe yeah yeah, keefe right so uh meeting guys like that can show me how to how to actually run a business when only thing business was for me was a way to cover up my illegal at money that i was making so we did start doing business legal business but to me it never moved the needle and i always resorted back to what i was doing that was making the most money but now going in the low meeting some of these guys like i said i would never be able to speak to some of these guys on the streets because they're super high level like i met guys that had hundred million dollar corporations and guys that had 10 million dollar corporations that when they decide to give up information you better be listening because they don't like repeating themselves and here it is like um they'll even ask you like um 
have you ever met anybody like me before? And I'm like, no. He's like, exactly. And I'm giving up information that I would normally charge about $5,000 an hour to consultate, to console somebody for. So basically, this is the only thing. Most people will get this information and they'll never use it. So if you can use any of this information to make your make your life better and not have to resort to those things that you did before use it don't just store information because it's it's almost it's, it's worse than never knowing this information so i took heed to that and i just start really really learning how to set up business entities legally without any illegal or illicit activity going on whatsoever so once i learned that I was able to go tell people who wouldn't participate in ace, ace classes and couldn't come around those guys because, you know, those kind of guys don't speak to everybody. They right. have their own private circle. They have their own table. They have people that help them cook their food. They're, they're, they're kind of private. They're really private, actually. I mean, I became a high-level individual that made a mistake that got sent to um, prison, but you're not going to downplay me. I'm still who I am. And um, from there, me going to help other people with some information I learned – they wanted to listen to me. So they're like, wow, you know that? And then we can write it out. We can put it all all into paper. And and I felt a little sense of um uh no, I felt a sense of like um gratification that I was able to okay, you're getting out soon. Go there and make you a, a LLC. Go get an EIN. Go register a fictitious business name. Now you got guys from the inner city that never heard someone tell them that in their life. Well, where do I go to do that? The county clerk's office. Like, it's so simple. So we think until you meet a person that don't even know anything about it. They don't know anything about it. So hearing it from me to me, they will want to know what else did you learn today or what else do you know? So what else I would do is order books on a subject that I really wanted to go deeper into. And I would learn from a book and then learn it from somebody that actually did it. So now here it is. I'm at this low. So at but least you have some ba a base knowledge of the subject thank, first. Yeah. Right. I have a base knowledge because I don't want to just be talking out of my head just because Joe Blow told me some shit. And then now I'm just telling it as this, if it's 100% accurate. So now I got that information. But my, my time was coming for me to go to RDAP. So they didn't have it at the low. So they tell me, oh, we're going to send you to um, a camp. Your points dropped. We're going to send you to a camp so you can do your RDAP program. And the camp have to happen to be shared in Oregon. Now, my visits and everything that I had going, and I really started liking Lompagolo. Based off of my program, I started running. They're shipping me off again to another whole another place. But again, I ran into even more high-level individuals at Sheridan Camp because they all were camp-level points qualified for RDAP. So I go on RDAP this time around. RDAP is a program. Some people hate it. Some people love it. I had mixed feelings about it. I went in there with an open mind. Like these are concepts that I uh, never really heard before and put myself under complete evaluation from a DTS, which is some sort of therapist. Are they therapists yeah, yeah. or not? Drug, yeah, yeah. Drug, drug treatment specialist, 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 right? So I put probably myself, got some kind of little certificate or something, but yeah. I put, I put myself under evaluation by, by doing that. And, um, I'm not the best speaker or the worst speaker, but most people are can hardly articulate themselves at all. So since they forced me to talk in RDAP and you you're, you have to share your story, I told my story on the mic inside group settings and even in front of the whole community. And a few of those guys who I had to catch up with at Lompoc Low, only if they were given an ACE class or only if they were doing some type of groove training. A few of them guys came to me after programming was like, hey, um, Brown, um, you told a story in the, 
is that stuff true about what happens in East Oakland? Like, is are guys really over there cutthroat? Like, dude, are they really against each other like that? And I'm like, yeah, that's how it is, though. You just don't seem like the type that come from that, man. I see your friends, man. They look like they probably participated in that. But I don't, I don't know if that's you, man. You sure you were there, man? Like, okay, well, come over here with us. We're having a meeting in um, one of the classroom A's, man. It's only going to be about four people over there. I think we want to share some information with you. So instead of me having to ask to go, they invited me. And now I'm getting information one guy had a private jet charter company, grossed over 200 million, but he started playing with the books. They came for him. He ended up getting about eight years and stuff like that and a heavy restitution. Another guy, uh, a, a partner in a major casino corporation, just like a minority partner, but he's telling me the money he make. A lot of people, lawyers, just, just people who I couldn't imagine able to be around without going to prison so i absorbed all of the information i can and i made a decision that this information is useful i would rather help people than hurt people i'm going to use this to my advantage and i'm going to do something with it because one of the guys told me if you don't do nothing with it it's worse than never knowing the information at all so once i i want to say once i got out of i've completed rdap got my year off so off my 84 months i still did 66 64 but you halfway house halfway house how much for four months it oh. was too crowded because i think i heard you said trump let all those people out at the same time yeah and it was overcrowded yeah, it did it was so i didn't get guys, my six. guys it should no 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 year, i was months. supposed to get nine months and i ended up getting like four and a half but i got the year off yeah yeah you know what i'm saying but one of the things that rang with me was when i was getting out my my case manager she's like um well you end up getting all that time in state prison and you got seven years in the federal prison. So you know that you qualify for SSI being that you're a disadvantaged minority. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, you're a disadvantaged minority and you can get like 800 a month in Social Security and you don't even have to worry about anything. I said, what? 800 a month? You must be crazy. I wish I would take $800 a month to not do anything. She's like, well, I only offered it to you because a lot of guys take advantage of it and you don't have to work and you can just go do that. Yeah, live off of $800 Eight, a month. In California? I'm like, she lived in Oregon. I said, in California? That won't do anything for me. That uh, Absolutely nothing. So um, I got out. I went to the halfway house. I did that um, after treatment, after care stuff. Went and worked. Uh, uh, one of my partners, he have a uh, he started a car business. Whereas, uh, uh, work sell we sell cars. Also, we work on cars, sell cars. Every, every, all about cars. It's like really called all about cars. So it was everything car related. So I started doing that with him. But a lot of the people who came in there had subpar credit and didn't know anything about building their credit. So I was able to build a small business from people with subprime credit, helping them out to repair their credit, dispute things, get a higher credit score so they can qualify for a better car than even what we were selling. We were selling like the um, low end four to $10,000 cars, but when you fix a person's credit up, they qualify for 20, 30. So I was able to do that for a small fee, like 500 bucks. People paid me, they got a result. They were able to, you know, go get something done. So here it is. I'm coming out of prison thinking people won't trust me, but people trusted me enough to go um, fix their credit, fix their credit, get a new car and then actually become a, a credible individual. Some people even went on to buy houses. I heard a lot of people say they did well with it. So what ended up happening is um, I realized that. It's something I like to do. I found out by helping a family member get a small business loan one time. I just 
went all over the internet and went to found a bunch of resources and got some referrals to some companies where I was able to help people get personal and business loans. So now this is how I became a loan broker slash business funding specialist because I don't want to say a loan broker, which is like a, a um regulated industry where you really need to be certified and licensed to become a loan broker. But I do help people out with getting personal loans, business loans, as well as building credit and starting their own entities, which, you know, I feel like most people need more people than not need this service and everything like right. that. So these days, that's exactly what I'm doing. And um, I, I just feel better being able to help people leaving all gray area, illicit activity out of my life because here it is that that no matter what, when I tried it, it could be one thing or another. It's just so short lived. It's just so short lived. I mean, the money is good, but the concept of being a one percenter in fraud, a one percenter in drug dealing, you have to stay there or else you just won't make it. You know, what I mean, they'll come for you. You lose everything or the people you work with will come after you. So either way, you end up losing everything. And it's just like it's just so many factors that pushed me away from that but it took me into my 40s to really realize and decide that that shit is absolutely not for me at all how long you been uh doing the the loan thing so i got out of prison in 2018 i was doing a credit repair and helping people establish themselves in a private entity since about 2018 but the um loan loan specialist business loan specialist i started that in 2019 so you uh, still do the other, you still do the credit? Well, I stopped doing the credit repair so much because it's better for me to refer that out. It's a lot of uh, uh, dealing with credit repair. It's a lot of work and it's time consuming to a point where I can give them to somebody that has automated resources and, 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 and you know, just get a referral. So I, I, I moved away from the credit repair. But what I do is I'll take clients and then help them do it themselves. I'd rather help you do it yourself. And if, if you have the money, refer you to a expert that's going to get you three to six months to a better credit score. So right. right now, I mean, I mean, we're still at a point where about 45% of America have bad credit. Right. So it's never a lack of people that need their credit repair, but also most people have not established their own entity that they can do business under and, and separate themselves from their business. I mean, even um, a, a common person that does landscaping, he's just doing it under his name. He just established himself. Okay, I'm going to do landscaping, go get a business license, and it's just me, the landscaper, opposed to starting a business, building up business credit with that entity, and then becoming credible enough to grow it without using your own money or bootstrapping the whole thing. So, I mean, I mean, the industry, I want to say is it's a little, it's a little, um, mm, it's a little complex because the money, the people that we deal with, they mainly come from, um, people that the bank turned down. Right. Unless you establish yourself in the beginning so that you will be credible to the bank. So uh, uh, most of the time people didn't. So you go into the bank and say, my business makes 30000 a month and here is how. But you got 28000 going out. The bank is going to say no. So here it is. If you establish yourself the correct way, you will be able to go into the bank and get money. But if you if you can't, private investors still have money for you. Probably a little higher interest rate, but they have money for you. Right. So these days, that's what I'm into, moving completely away from that kind of deal, like hustling, doing any amount of fraud, participating in illicit activities based off of the fact that it's just like 
we kind of know what that is already. I've seen enough of that to know that it's just not even. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Put it like that. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd rather work at McDonald's. I mean, I mean, or or just just start something. Start something. If you fail a bunch of times, you will end up making it. But just don't quit, man. Because I mean, no, wasn't the statistic ninety percent of ninety uh, percent of the of millionaires have claimed bankruptcy at least once? At least once, exactly. So they always talk about the number of seventeen hundred new millionaires being created a day, but they don't talk about thirty seven hundred fall off the list every day. Maybe about four thousand. It was thirty seven hundred in two thousand twenty one fall off the list of being millionaires. So a lot of people want to tell you. It's so easy to become a millionaire, but it's really not. It's easy to go make 20 easier to go make 20K a month and do that consistently until you build up something that'll be able to double, triple, etc. But if, if, if you if you only won, you don't know what it is to lose. Right. If all you ever did is win. I mean, look at you. You were able to overcome whatever you've done and create something from scratch. So, I mean, I look at it like um, you're a model to me because. I could possibly create a, a platform that will grow over time. It's not a push button to success, but working on something organically, it will eventually grow. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you, if you just, it's just consistency and sticking with it long enough, it'll happen. And that goes for almost anything. So, I mean, I'm here, man, and I mean, I definitely appreciate being able to come here and talk to you about this true crime story. But the part of it that I would say would be the most impactful to me, though, is just like, my uncle told me before he died, like, you always go choose the hardest path and take that path. It's just so many things you could have done different. Yeah, you ran up some money. He said, you see your mom and them? Yeah, they made their millions over 30 years. They're not ducking nothing. They're not running from nobody. You had to bump your head three, four, five times to make the million but you gave it all back. Mm -hmm. Then you did it again, and then you gave it all back. And here it is. Now you're on the path of success, but you didn't even have to take such a hard path. And he died a couple of years ago, man. And I actually told that story at the um at, at, at his homegoing service that uh he told me before he died that uh you see that mountain, instead of you finding a quick path to the top, you will run around it two times and then decide to go up, but you're gonna already be tired. So the so your hike up is gonna be much harder than mine because I'm gonna just walk straight up it knocked some bushes along the way and I'll be sitting up there waiting for you. And I took, I took that to heart cause it is about what I used to do. Most of my life is just create some shit. I created a complex situation for myself that I probably didn't have to trusting people, trying shit that probably didn't lead to a good outcome. So therefore I'm just like, um, most scammers won't get rich. Most trappers won't get rich. I mean, if I had to say anything, I just want people to know that, man, you'd be better off just working your way to the top, being consistent, finding a path, something that you probably like to do. Don't just pick something that everybody else is doing just because it makes a lot of money because that won't even be it. You won't even you'll hate it. You make a bunch of money, but you'll hate it because here it is. I had money, but I was never at one point. You see, I never said I was happy and no, at no point. Through all of this stuff that I went through, could I say I was so happy and so glad and grateful because I had money? Because that wasn't going to ever do it for me. Just having the money alone was never going to bring me to a place of happiness. So, I mean, right now I feel good, man. I met a lot of people that I still have good relationships with to this day. And I just feel like, you know, as long as I'm making some sort of impact, I will feel 
better than I ever have in the past. Like, it, but it took, like I said, to all the gray hairs. It took to all these gray hairs start coming for me to actually realize that. And then my dad, who now we have a much better relationship, he looks at me and be like, well, I figured you would get it at some point. And him as a senior citizen sitting there enjoying his latter years said, you know, just didn't think it would take you this long in your life to actually realize what you actually what, what was actually in store for you that can make you into a better person? Okay. Well, uh, look, I, I, I'm glad you came out. I, I appreciate you, you coming. Um, do you have uh you want us to leave links in the description box or do you have any social media links, a website, anything? I normally communicate people with people through Instagram. I got an Instagram page. It's true lanes way. I mean, I answer all of my DMS myself, man. I'm looking to work with people who definitely want to change their situation, but it does take work. I mean, nothing easy is worth having. So I have a simple process to help people, but most people won't follow the process, but if they do, they're guaranteed to probably get a better result than what they have right now. So yeah, my Instagram is mainly the way to reach out to me. I mean, I don't, I don't, promote heavily online but i believe that if people reach out to me and they're serious about changing their situation i can definitely help them out well we'll, we'll put the um we'll put it in the description box and i i appreciate you uh i appreciate you coming man, i appreciate you man i mean like i said i watch your content all the time man and it's a lot to learn it's a lot to learn watching this kind of content man because it's easy to assume we know what other people go through or what they were thinking when they did something but here it is you may want to hear from the person exactly what it was before you just guesstimate what it is is the reason why they made their decisions and why they did what they did but thank you man i appreciate you man all right hey if you guys like the video do me a favor hit the subscribe button hit the bell so you get notified of videos just like this please leave me a comment check the description box for the uh for the all the links that we talked about and i appreciate it see you